0: In the decade of the 1970s, even the great hero Superman was not spared the ravages of money hungry producers. In these times of fear and confusion, the job of bringing him to screen was the responsibility of Richard Donald, a popular American director whose demand for verisimilitude had become a symbol of hope for fans of Superman. Welcome to episode 116 of the Man of Screen podcast. I am your host, Mike Jumo, and in this episode, I'm going to continue my coverage of Superman the Movie. Make that Superman the Movie Month Part 2, and I'm going to cover chapters 11 through 20 of the Superman the Movie Blu-ray, if you're following along with the theatrical cut. And like last week, I have more special guests on tap. This time, I will be joined by Bob Fisher, Dario Gonzalez, Aaron Henley, and J. David Weider. Yeah, it's a pretty crowded episode today, and I'm really looking forward to getting this to you, so... I really don't want to waste a lot of time. We're going to pick up from where we left off after the funeral of Jonathan Kent, and we're going to cover Superman the movie pretty much through the helicopter sequence in which uh, Superman appears for the first time. So we'll finally be getting to some Superman action on this episode. But before we get to that, I have some feedback to address. Feedback is coming from Dave McElvenny. Dave is writing in on it. Man of Screen, episode 105. Dave writes, Greetings, Mike. I must agree that the tiny world of terror didn't use the super friends to their best effect. Certainly, it would have made much more sense for Superman to look for the shrunken scientists using his microscopic vision rather than shrinking himself. Other than for the adventure aspect of the story, it didn't make a whole lot of sense for the heroes to shrink themselves at all. But then, it really wouldn't have been an interesting story for the viewers. With this story and the previous Exploration Earth, we have Superman as kind of a Gulliver. In Exploration Earth, he was a relative giant bound by the tiny aliens. And in this story, we have him as a tiny fellow in the land of giants. I guess the writers follow the adage, if you're going to steal, steal from the best. In Tibetan Raiders, I was glad to have an appearance by The Flash. As you noted, it's always good to have another of the original Justice Leaders, and The Flash is a natural pairing with Superman. The Mummy of Nazca was enjoyable, if only for the obvious reference to Boris Karloff and his famous role of the mummy in the 1932 Universal movie. Of course, it was so quote-unquote 70s to make the mummy in this story an ancient alien astronaut. I must say that with the villains of these stories being actual villains, motivated by greed or power... Things are getting better. It's really way my appetite for more of the better-known the supervillains like Lex Luthor, Brainiac, Scarecrow, Gorilla Grodd, and Sinestro, whom we'll soon see in the next version of the Super Friends show. Live long and prosper, Dave. And as always, thank you, Dave, for writing in. I really don't have a ton to add to Dave's letter, and you know, I only have a passing knowledge of the story of Gulliver's Travels, but there is a lot of references to uh, the show over the course of Super Friends. I mean, there's an episode with a character who calls himself Dr. Gulliver, and that involves shrinking somewhat. And there are the two examples that Dave mentioned, so that's a pretty good catch by Dave, and yeah. As we're going to see, uh, the Super Friends will borrow from other properties, you know, kind of as they see fit. A few weeks ago, I covered an episode in which they pretty much aped the plot to uh, Fantastic Voyage, the Journey to Inner Space episode, so yeah. Super Friends will never miss an opportunity to uh, steal from another popular film or book or whatever if they think they have a good story that they can adapt. And I'm glad that Dave is, uh, obviously, this uh, letter was written before I started my coverage of uh, The Challenge of the Super Friends, so we're going to hear Dave's thoughts regarding uh, some of my Season 3 episodes in the weeks to come. So, thank you, Dave, for writing in. Like I mentioned before, I'd like to hear from more of you. Manascreen at gmail.com. You know, I really don't want to waste any more time with just me talking on this episode, as, like I said, there's a lot to cover in the next couple segments. So, I'm going to take a quick break, play a podcast promo. Then I'm gonna come back with Bob Fisher, Dario Gonzalez, Aaron Henley, and J. David Weider, and we're going to continue my coverage of Superman in the movie. Hang around, folks.
1: I'm Captain Benjamin Sisko. Welcome to Deep Space Nine.
0: Red Alert. All crew members report to battle stations. Red alert. Shields up. What shields? You're Starblete officers! Now start acting like it!
2: Oh, it's just Garrett. Plain, simple.
1: Yeah. Dex, we might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist.
0: The wormhole does bring them our way, doesn't it? Everyone wants a piece of the new frontier. This will surely
2: become a leading center of commerce and of scientific exploration.
3: And start with it, one of our most important posts. Quite a motley crew you've assembled here, at Benji. Listen to the
2: Prophets and Deep Space Nine Podcast. And here are your hosts, Andrew Leyland and Paul Spataro. Bloody hell. Oh, I
1: love a woman in
4: uniform. Only on
1: TutrueFreaks.com.
0: All right, welcome back, folks. Uh, As I mentioned before, we've got part two of Superman the Movie Month going on right now. And uh, we have a whole um, bevy of freaks in the house right now. I have the uh, former and current host of Superman Forever Radio. I have J. David Weider, but you can call him Dave, and Bob Fisher in the house. Hello. Hello. I have Aaron Henley, uh, both formerly and future host of Tangents Abound. Hello. And Dario Gonzalez, who uh, hosts Eat It and Beat It on, on the network, Hello. along with uh, Chris Honeywell. How are you guys doing tonight? We're doing great. Doing good, doing good. It's hot.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. They, they. It's, hot. it's hot. Yeah, and you're getting two Superman Forever radio hosts for the price of one. So, wait, are you getting go. paid for this? Twice I thought nothing. you were getting paid.
0: Nobody told me that. Twice nothing is still nothing, so don't worry about it, Daria. Oh, uh, fair enough. You know, <laughs> send
1: it on PayPal. I swear that, re- that residual <laughs> freak money, boy.
0: <laughs> Somebody must have clicked on the Amazon link. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so, so before we get started, let's go around the room a little bit. Uh, what are your origin stories? Uh, with uh, what's the first time you remember seeing uh, Superman the movie? Let's start with uh, Dario. We're gonna say about the last because Bob has the most interesting story.
2: Oh, I'm sure. Uh, it's just one of those things that's, that's always been there. I, I'm pretty sure, absolutely sure that I that I know that I went and saw it when I was a when I was a kid with um I think with my friends, my friend and his father took us because we were bombarded with the commercials and everything, and Superman was was, you know, uh, every time I would go camping or something, we'd pull over and might get a Superman comic book. And, you know, I, they would just keep them until they were just ratty and just, I, you know, I, they were just something that I had. And then, uh, you know, the movie came out and I saw the movie and I remember just just loving it. But, but you know, back then, you know, you didn't have DVDs or anything. So you saw the movie and it would, had to stay in your brain until we, we got HBO or until it was shown on TV and uh and then you just realize how how good it was and really how it was probably the one of the how now I can look back and I can realize just how difficult it must have been to put together a movie like that when they did It's like the first comic book character that really 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 worked I mean on all levels I think it I think it was quite an accomplishment and uh and as I get you know get older and watch it every time you can realize just what an influence that movie made. I mean, every other Superman, you know, incarnation that has come, even if they try and distance themselves from that movie, they can't. It's been in everything. I mean, there's been homages to it in just about everything that's been around. That's how important it is. Everything from John Burns comic, he touched on it. And to uh, to the Krypton TV series, and even to the new Superman movies that have that have been out over the last twenty years, they just they keep going back to it. And it, it, to me, it's just the standard that that all comic book movies have to uh, have to to live up to because it was the first great one, in my opinion. I, I think so, I and mean, it always has been. It always has been one of those movies that if it's on TV and you say you're just going to watch. Oh, three or four minutes of it. You wind up watching the whole thing. It's it's one of those Shawshank Redemption movies that no matter – you won't turn it off. If it's on, you're going to wind up watching the whole thing. So so it's just one of the greats for me. I've always loved it. Always have.
0: All right. So, uh,
2: Aaron?
3: Okay. Well, uh, the earliest I can remember seeing Superman the movie was for some reason it was on the Disney Channel back in the – I don't know, very late 80s, early 90s because I just remember we had a cable box with like, we went from 13 channels to 26 and it was a preview so we had a VCR and we recorded Superman the movie and that was, when I first saw it I enjoyed it, I mean it's Superman, it's it's the the, but I really didn't think about just how good a movie it is until I recently just pulled it out again to, you know prep for the show and I was like Yeah. (laughs) For the time, this was a movie that pushed boundaries. I may have some opinions that uh, could be viewed negatively, actually. Um, For as many things as I don't like about Man of Steel, I have to say their version of Krypton was at least more visually appealing than what we got in Richard Donner's. In, in, in the 78 movie. You, you may now get your pitchforks. <laughs>
0: uh,
3: Light, lighten my torch as we speak.
2: Yeah, well, there were aspects of
3: it. Yeah, you're right.
2: Definitely. But yeah, I, I can, I can, fair enough. I can see your point. Well, the, yeah.
0: the uh, Krypton uh, as presented here was very cold and sterile and lifeless. Right. And
3: in fact, the only thing that had color was Clark's blanket. And in that whole sequence, the whole thing, the only thing with color was Clark's blanket. In fact, I, I think the whole reason Zod was a seditionist was because he wanted to bring black in to vogue.
0: <laughs> oh no! I, el wore some black in the opening scene. Well, that that was as know, execution executioner, judicator. But anyhow, but it was all black and white. There was yeah no other color.
3: So so that that that. But uh, overall, I mean, Christopher Reeve. I mean, he's Superman. That there, there, there's just no every. Once in a while, you find the right actor for the movie, and I'm going to sh- – you have Christopher Reeve as Superman, Chris Evans as Captain America, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. I mean it, it just – Paul as Wonder Woman. Yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> uh,
3: Charlie Cox as Daredevil. <laughs> yes, indeed. So the, overall, I mean I, actually, I, I enjoy Superman 1 more than I do Superman 2. But we'll get into it as we get into the discussion. I I don't want to tie up too much time. (laughs) All right.
4: Dave? This movie is the source of my Superman fandom, I realize, because I've still never seen it in the theater, which is breaking my heart. I'm hoping the Alamo draft house here will show it before the end of the year. But it was on heavy rotation at HBO as I was coming to be. I don't know how many times I watched this movie. It's probably countless and probably not all, you know, beginning, middle and end. But the scene we're going to be talking about later, it brings me to tears. It really does. And if I ever see the theater, I'm like, I'm just going to take the, you know, take the kerchiefs with me. But it's something where I can point to this scene in this movie. And people, if when people ask me, what is it you love about Superman Batman's cool, or Batman's cooler, Spider Man's cooler? No, look at this scene. This is everything. I didn't experience that uh, until 2017 with Wonder Woman, where you have the, the No Man's Land scene where it's like, no, this defines that character. And Christopher's voice, his mannerisms, it was what defined Superman for me. And it was kind of a exp- you know expanded upon by uh, Danny Dark in uh, Super Friends. You know, it's expanded since then, but this is the source. This is everything. I don't want to go on and on, but, yeah, I mean,
0: it's pretty much just, <laughs> yeah, punctuated like that. All right. And that leaves us with uh, Bob. What's your memory of seeing this for the first time?
1: Well, um, it's a pr- fairly interesting little story, actually. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the short version. <clears throat> In the, in the late 70s, I worked in a, uh, at a uh, progressive rock and roll radio station here in Richmond, Virginia. And uh, the Warner Brothers rep was always, he was here a lot. He was coming into town a lot to get us to play whatever the Warner Brothers um, hit of the week or month was. He was always, you know, whining, dining, always trying to get us to play Donna Summer or something that we were not playing. Uh, I had a show on the weekend, and it was a new wave show featuring, well, what you would consider new wave of the time, everything from Flock of Seagulls, Devo, you know, all that, all of that, punk, all of that stuff. And he was trying to get me to play this um, music that (laughs) uh, we didn't really want to play on our radio station. And then, you know, there was a lot of ads and stuff about the movie. And I said, I'll tell you what, get me a couple of tickets to the movie coming out and uh, I'll see what I can do. That's the way I kind of remember this happening. And then he shows up uh, a few weeks later and he said, uh, I got you three tickets. I couldn't get four. I got you three and I couldn't get you anything here in Richmond. Do you mind driving up to Washington, D.C. to watch the movie? I said, no, that's fine. D.C. And in those days, the speed limit was 70 miles an hour. You could be from Richmond and Washington in like 90 minutes. It's not a big deal. So I said, no, no problem. I'll take the three tickets. Thank you very much. And um, so came that time. We went to the movie. My wife, I was dating her at the time. We weren't married. And uh, her little brother and uh, we drove up to Washington and I thought, wow, something's going on here. This is kind of weird. The traffic was crazy. I thought, what is going on? There's something crazy going, must be going on in town. Maybe the, I don't know what's going on. It was spotlights, you know, and lots of stuff. So we finally get to the theater and I thought, wow, this is a beautiful theater. And there's a lot of people here. This is kind of like a big deal. I had no idea. I thought, wow, this is really cool. So we went in and watched the movie, and it was a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful theater, and and um, in Washington D.C. And it was the kind of thing when you watch this movie, uh, I, I just got a chill. Honestly, I, I, it's it's a hundred degrees in this room, and I just got a chill mm-hmm. thinking about certain scenes and things that happened in this movie. The crowd was so into this movie, <clears throat> an absolutely packed house. And I didn't know, and to cut to the chase, great thing, all the thing. I found out the next day when we got home and watched uh, Good Morning America or some news program the following morning, then it dawned on me. I wasn't just watching Superman the movie at a theater in Washington, D.C. In the balcony behind me over my head was Jimmy Carter and his daughter Amy, we were at the D.C. premiere of the Superman, the movie. It had only been shown one other time in Los Angeles, and now it was opening in D.C., and I was one of the first thousand people to see it in Washington, D.C., with Jimmy Carter and the President of the United States when it meant something then. And it was very, you know, I can't—we I, didn't know until the next day. And I'm watching I'm like, Kim, uh— The president was there. We were at the oh, my God. And then we got all these chills again. So uh, you just can't imagine what it was like seeing the movie there in that crowd. Uh, And everybody was into it. Everybody was into it. And just that one scene after the 12 years in the fortress, when Chris flies towards the camera, kind of waves and then flies, you know, does the bank off a cheer People stood and cheered and that was just the beginning. And then when we get to the scene, we're going to talk about later, but, uh, yeah, it was a pretty spectacular way to, to see Superman the movie. To this day, I keep thinking, well, maybe it's my favorite movie of all time because of that. No, no, it's my favorite movie because it's a damn good movie about my favorite character of all time. And uh, it, it is like some of you have already said, it's the template. There were uh, other movies before this and there were other things, but this is an almost perfect superhero movie. I've got complaints with it, and some of it ages better than other parts of it. But uh, uh, I can watch this movie, I can put it, I've seen it uh, countless. No, I can't count. I literally cannot count the number of times I've seen the movie. I know the dialogue. Somebody could probably right now say something, and I would tell you the scene and the dialogue and who wrote it and all that stuff. I know way too much information about this movie. So... But that, I think, was a pretty fun way to see it for the first time in the theater. I I also, uh, when it it opened a week later in Richmond, by the way, and uh, uh, we went to see, Kim and I went to see it probably, well, I don't know, five, six, seven times uh, just during the first week. And we went every day. I went back every day. And in in those days, you could actually, if you went to like a a 2.30 afternoon movie, you could sit there. You didn't have to leave the theater and go buy another ticket. You could just sit there. So we'd sit and we'd watch it two or three times in a row over and over again and went back and forth. It really had that kind of an impression. And when you see this thing, Dave, I wish for you to see this on a big screen full of people who can't wait to see it, who love it. Who you know, want you could have that it. for all of us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, have, none, you, have none of you ever seen it in the theater? Am I the only one, really? oh no, nice. dario
0: Dar- 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 may have
1: dario when you were a little kid right. yeah
2: but you know at that age I, gee, I don't
1: right because you were born what 72 maybe 69 69 okay so you were eight nine ten years old yeah so eight. yeah yeah no, I remember. so uh, enough to make an impression <laughs> yeah
2: the president wasn't there let's just put the it president was. <laughs> no.
1: i didn't know that jimmy was there i wish i had known but you know we were so dumb we're just thinking well it's washington It's set 1978. You know, things were different then than they are now. And uh, there weren't gates up everywhere. There wasn't just, you know, but there were a lot of cops and there was a lot of traffic and the big lights and all of the stuff. And it still didn't dawn on me that I was at a red carpet opening night of a major motion picture. It didn't dawn on me until the next day when I, I just thought, wow, Washington really goes all out for their movies, don't they? <laughs> do, do we know what Jimmy thought of the movie? No, no. Oh. I think he I, I you know, I think he probably liked it because they did the Good Morning America piece. I was so stunned the next morning because we I say good morning. It could have been And any I think one the of,
0: Peanuts reference was cut out of the movie. I think that's in the longer version.
1: Yes. <laughs> Well, you know, I say it was good morning. It could have been any of those morning talk shows, NBC, ABC, CBS, whatever. It could have been any one of those three. And they talked about it being the opening, and they showed the president there in his seat, you know, in the balcony, in a box seat with uh, his daughter and her friend. I forgot Amy's little friend, but, but, you know, that was pretty spectacular. It would have been cool to know he was there at the time. Hey, Prez.
0: Yeah, you got right right on up there.
1: Yeah, yeah. But uh, I did shake Jimmy Carter's hand at his, I was at his inauguration two years earlier uh, at the, one of the, they had three ballroom dances, you know, inaugural dance, whatever. And a friend of mine uh, uh, had a couple of tickets and he said, you want to go to the NR? I said, sure. And he said, go, okay, go, we a tux. Okay. So got a tux and he and uh, his wife came in and they, I was right at the velvet red line I held my hand out. He shook it and just kept on walking.
2: You didn't know he was going to be there.
1: Uh, Yeah, we knew he was going to make an appearance at (laughs) some point. Yes. But there were three balls. So he and his wife show up. They do a couple of dances and talk to the crowd a few minutes and then left. But we happened to be right there at the velvet rope inside when he came in. So when they pushed us back, I was right at the rope and just held my hand out over the rope. And he shook it. And uh, I'm not sure we made eye contact. It was kind of like... Uh, You've seen them, how they all do those little Mm -hmm, things. Right. So he just kind of shook my hand and kept on walking. But uh, this swollen hand shook the hand of a president. (laughs) (laughs) And
0: then it got stung by bees.
1: And then it got stung by bees, yes. Well, it's okay. I needed to wash it anyway. (laughs) That was a joke about not washing my hand for 35, 40 years. Right. Oh, yeah, 40 years. Wow.
0: A long time. Wow as the movie will turn 40 at the end of this year. It premiered in the winter, as I recall, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yep. Uh, but it's it's a, it was a fun night, and it was a fun way to watch it. And, yeah, everyone should – I hope they see it. So Alamo and a lot of the people are doing it. Uh, um, I'm hoping it comes to Richmond. We have a uh, – I don't know what they call them. Well, the theater's name is the Bird Theater, and it's a beautiful theater here in Richmond. But they show discount movies, you know, $5 tickets. And uh, we went to see Beatles – Magical Mystery Tour, not Magical Mystery Tour, uh, Yellow Submarine last weekend and uh, remastered. It was absolutely beautiful. So um, I hope everybody gets a chance to see this movie in a theater with people who are ready to to scream at the right places and cheer. And, and well, so
2: far,
4: uh, Alamo's done well at getting my favorite movies out. We we had a screening of Back to the Future, an actual hmm. 35 millimeter print, Ooh. not just not just a Blu-ray on, on the screen, which would have been fine. But yeah. They've, they've been knocking it out of the park with that. Just got one more. You need to get in there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: They'll do it. Well, positive. They'll do it. I know they're going to do it. And I live
4: in
3: a no man's land. What did was there an earthquake and then a, a plague or a uh, plague first earthquake? And then we were disavowed by the U.S. government.
1: Oh, well, yeah.
3: Simeon overlords.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah don't yeah. take that too hard about being disavowed by the U.S. government. <laughs> I wouldn't take that too personally right now. <laughs> well, Mike, let me turn the tables since we've all said how we saw this movie for the first time. Our host, Mike Zumo, how did you see this movie for the first time?
0: I couldn't tell you.
1: Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <Jordan> sweet. Well, <laughs> so, uh, move on. I mean, honestly, it was. It came out two years before I was
1: born, so it's just always been there. It's al-
0: yeah. That the first three, really. It is alleged. I saw Superman 3 in the theaters. I was two years old at the time. What idiot for me as a two-year-old to a movie theater, I don't know. I, like
4: my, my grandparents taking me to see Porky's.
1: Right. <laughs> oh, Not a joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he'll know, sleep most...
4: through it. It'll be fine.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that explains to all the kids. I saw at Deadpool.
4: Yeah.
0: <laughs> both, both, both my parents say at, at two years old, my dad took me to see... Superman three and Return of the Jedi. I have no memory of either. Mm, right. The first one I remember seeing in the theater was Superman four. Same here. Do You want to remember mm. that? Mm. It was the first God. time. Well, I was six. It was the God. first time. It, it was the first time I was seeing Superman on the big
1: screen. So that was Superman four.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. and
1: it's Christopher Reeve
0: on the big screen. We can, we can't fault that, right? So. It's still
1: yeah, exactly. And Listen, if that mu- if
0: the memory is better than the movie.
1: Right. If the if they had had money, that would have been an entirely different movie and a better mm-hmm. movie.
4: And maybe I, I wouldn't have gotten yelled at by or not yelled at, but you know, <laughs> talked to by an usher.
2: That was me. Actually, you're making a lot of noise. Uh,
4: mm-hmm. No, I, I, I said a profanity and no joke. Oh. I, <laughs> the, it's the repair of the Great Wall scene where I'm like, no, it's bull. Yeah, repair
0: the Great Wall vision.
4: Yeah,
1: right. No, but Yeah, we'll, that was bullshit.
4: Yeah. it's back when they actually had ushers at the little flashlight things that they would guide airplanes right. in with
0: did he yeah. have a little hat on yep
4: i don't think he had a hat on no He just yeah. he had the vest
0: okay. <laughs> well what we had was we had one of those giant uh vcrs vcrs you know one of those early vcrs that you had to uh have an, an engineering degree to operate mm-hmm. but so i don't know how my dad got a hold of these things but we had the uh I think it was the 1980 or 1981 home video release, the uh, the big red clamshell. Mm-hmm. And I had they got a picture. If anybody doesn't know what I'm talking about, but it's basically a red, uh, kind of a red outline on a plastic box kind of thing you could murder somebody with <laughs> because, the, because, <laughs> the edges, because the edges are so sharp. i probably gotten numerous paper cuts off of it all the time. But my my dad actually he still has them in his in his living room at home. But yeah, the first two films in in that format on uh, VHS, so I was always you know w- watching them that way. I, so it wasn't my favorite at first, because mm-hmm. honestly, when you're a kid and you're three, four, five, six, you just want to get the Superman. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think when I was a kid, Superman two was my favorite. But mm-hmm. obviously, as I got older, I came to appreciate the first movie a lot, a lot more because of just because of it. Everything that went into making it and how epic it truly is. I probably didn't have as much of an appreciation for that then Mm -hmm. as I do now.
2: Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. that's true. I I watched it today, actually. uh, That you know, and I was my son's nine, and he was just waiting for Superman. You know, uh, you know the first half of it, he just just kind of didn't really have much into interest in it. And then when Superman came around, you know, oh yeah, okay, that's cool. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's back to the newsroom and for whatever. You kind of these, you know lagging you know it's tough until i think when you get older like you said you realize just how important it it was right and that
0: was the same with me as well all right so basically what we'll do now is i'll take a quick break i'll play a promo or two and then we'll come back and talk about uh the next section of the movie that that this group is gonna be talking about hang around folks
1: My name is Bob Fisher, and I'm the host of the Superman Forever radio podcast. On the Superman Forever radio podcast, I talk about Superman from 1938 to present day. And in 2018, we celebrate the 80th anniversary of the Man of Steel's first appearance in action comics with a full year of new episodes, more episodes, plus new features like the Adventures of Superman when he was a boy. Superboy is coming to the Superman Forever radio podcast. Also, the Superman Forever roundtable discussion group, where I gather together some of the best Superman podcasters around, and we talk Superman. So if you want to know why I've been a Superman fan for over 60 years, point your favorite podcatcher to the Superman Forever radio podcast at SupermanForever.com.
0: All right, welcome back, folks. Uh, uh, This week, we're going to talk about the next uh, section of Superman the movie. If you're watching along, this would be chapters 11 through 20 of the uh, theatrical cut Blu-ray, or if you're watching along on either the uh, director's cut or the extended version, you know, the three-hour monster that was released by uh, Warner Archive last year, that would be chapters 12 through 21. The chapters on the director's cut and the extended version are the same. Basically, what I'll start, uh, start out with, not that we need one, I've got a brief uh, Wikipedia synopsis for the section of the movie that we're going to be covering. So, at 18, soon after Jonathan's death from a heart attack, Clark hears a, sci- a psychic call and discovers a glowing crystal in the remains of his spacecraft. It compels him to travel to the Arctic, where it builds the Fortress of Solitude. Inside, a hologram of Jor-El expo- explains Clark's true origins, and after 12 years of further educating him on his powers and his reason for being sent to Earth, he leaves the Fortress wearing a blue and red suit, with the House of Elf family crest on his chest, and becomes a reporter at the Daily Planet in Metropolis. He meets and develops an unrequited romantic attraction to co-worker Lois Lane. Lois becomes involved in a helicopter accident where conventional means of rescue are impossible, requiring Clark to use his powers in public for the first time to save her, to the astonishment of the crowd gathered below. It leaves out a few things, namely Lex Luthor, but but we'll get to that. The greatest criminal mind of our time? Of our time. Of our time! (laughs) So, overall, what do you guys think of, uh this segment of the movie is one of the probably more important uh, segments of uh, of the film
4: it's easily my favorite
2: easily mhm i uh i didn't know you know I, I seen the movie but i said okay well i wonder what what what's you know i knew it, i didn't exactly remember what was going to happen in this particular scene and after i watched it today i was like damn this is this 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 is the part of the movie that lets you know Everything. I mean, it introduces all the characters, uh, anyone you're going to need to, to know. Uh, it's all there. It was it, And I, I, um, I think it was Bob that had mentioned that that you get teary eyed. And, mm-hmm. and you damn it. If you don't, you don't. You really do. It chills. really chills. Chilled. Yeah. When I got chills when Jonathan is, is has a heart attack when he grabs his hand and he goes, oh, no right you you can tell that that that, that to me is, is easily the most powerful part i think of that movie right there
3: <clears throat> i don't know what yeah. you're here for son, but i know you're here yeah. for a reason it's not to not, score touchdowns to
0: score no it is not it is touchdowns. definitely not to score touchdowns john it is uh to wake up in the morning to a very static radio and to uh, something a uh, whining from the barn my wife blew my mind because i for
4: some reason, I don't question this movie as much as I, I have just because it's place in my childhood. But she asked the question, why did the crystal call to Clark then? I, I mean, I assume it's because he's come of age or that the crystal knows he's he's seeking something now as set up by the previous scene. But I had never thought about it.
0: There, But what? Maybe the crystal somehow was attuned to to know it's time now or something. Mm. I, I don't know. I've never thought that deeply into why the crystal calls him uh, when it does.
3: Well, there, there's the line of dialogue saying, you know, here on your 18th year, you've, you know, come of age. So maybe it was just on a timer. When I was a kid, I always wondered why the crystal was green. Yeah, it's, it's like, kryptonite. Yeah, it, is, it is weird because
2: Even my, that is kryptonite color. My wife doesn't know shit about it. She goes, isn't that going to kill him? No,
0: well, you don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. Goes, you know, it, it's, it's green. Doesn't that green kill him? No, obviously this is a safe green. Simple. Again, yeah. uh, again. Other than the red and blue blankets, the uh, only uh, the only color on Krypton.
4: Yep. Yeah. Well, actually, the reason I'm looking at the the uh, Matty collector doll of Christopher Reed that does have the little crystal stand. If it wasn't green, you wouldn't be able to see it. Literally, would not be able to see it.
2: Mm. He wouldn't know which was which. Exactly. You know, he'd get in the wrong one in there all the time. You know, shit, this is the wrong crystal. I got (laughs) some Kryptonian porn.
3: (laughs) Lex Luthor just stops by, switches it out with a piece of kryptonite. Clark goes in to talk to his dad and dies. End of movie.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, by the way, Clark, this color will kill you. So don't ever... Don't use this one. Don't
0: use this one again, okay? (laughs) Other than to talk to me.
3: But uh, I just felt (laughs) Bad for oh no I'm mixing that up with Superman Returns never mind
0: yeah 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 don't do that please <laughs>
3: well I, I I was thinking oh yeah and then he throws the ball and the poor dog just runs and looks
0: back at him but no that that was Superman Returns Yep. <laughs> if if uh, that dog could talk its line would have been you asshole
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> I'm not crypto <laughs> <laughs> which is so something believe... else I'd like to see in real live action not
0: yeah crypto. yeah you know now, I do believe this might be the first on-screen interpretation that it has anything to do with the can not in the rocket ship. I don't think on – now, as far as a Jor-El uh, training goes, did Jor-El train him in – Bob, you, you are a Silver Rage comic expert, and Dave, too, I believe. I've read a lot of was Silver Rage.
1: Was he Bob trained, trained did by a, Did Jor-El train – Like he does in this movie? In the comics? Yeah. No, never. I didn't – so but so I'd I'd start say, over, here. Now, wait a minute. Oh, yeah, I say you're... no, never. But uh, there were, you know, thousands of Silver Age stories because there was three to a book. So they wrote a lot of stories and Jor-El showed up in a lot of them. But uh, uh, most of those were imaginary or this or that. Um, Clark's interactions with Jor-El in the Silver Age were either through flashbacks of him as Super Baby or uh, the very famous one where Superman actually goes back through time and is on Krypton and falls in love with Lyla Laurel and would stay there and marry her, was at his parents' wedding, which I thought, now this is going to be weird, how's that going to happen? Because then <laughs> if they do, there'll be two of Hmm. No, nope, you got to get off the planet. But uh, no, there was not a lot of the things, usually, when Jor-El showed up, other than one or two Superboy stories that I can think of, usually it didn't go well <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> when, when Jor-El showed up um, for whatever reason. And there were several stories that that looked into the whole idea of all three of them getting off the planet, Jor-El, Laura, and the baby. But all of that kind of stuff, most of the Krypton and the Jor-El stuff was done in Superboy comics, not... Right. really in Superman comics until there was a period, 61 to 3, where they did a lot of Krypton stuff, which happens to be what I'm reading right now. But, uh, but uh, no, Jor-El, be, no, Ma and Pa Kent taught Superman how to be Superman, not jor
0: Right, not Jor-El. Jor-El. So, w- last time when I was on with uh, Brian Hughes and uh, Pat Delmore, we were trying to uh, kind of track how time was passing by ma hair (laughs) (laughs) and i i want to wonder how much time has passed between the funeral and here because when we see her for the first time after the funeral her hair is silver it was not that at the funeral it was like a light Mm. almost like a light brown like an ash brown
2: what the hell does she look like after 12 years of studying in the fortress of solitude clark's still sending money back to her shit
0: yeah, but this was before that.
2: Yeah, yeah that. she looked old then. I mean, now she, she must have... look like the crypt keeper by then.
3: <laughs> or Aunt May. Oh, yeah, Aunt
1: May. Exactly. <laughs> Aunt May was kind of hot in the last in that Spider-Man <laughs> <laughs> Homecoming movie. We're
4: not
3: talking about that Aunt May. Though. We're not talking no, about that. Not we're,
1: that. We're talking Ditko. <laughs> we're talking <laughs> Ditko Aunt May. Oh, yeah. the little silver hair with the bun on top of her head. Right. Yeah. The one who made my 103-year-old great-grandmother look young. Yes. (laughs) Who ended up marrying Jameson or something, didn't she? I love that.
0: Jameson's dad. All right, so we've got this scene now with Clark telling his mother he has to leave and move on. I have to leave. I knew this time would come. We both knew it from the day we found you.
4: I talked to Ben Hubbard yesterday and he said that
3: that he'd be happy to help out from now on.
0: <laughs> Mother. I know, sir. I know. Do you?
2: Know where
3: you're
0: headed. North. Remember, son. Always remember. So, so, what do you guys think and think of uh, of this scene and, and the uh, performances? And what do you guys think of Jeff East as Young Clark? It being dubbed
1: by Christopher Reeve. Yeah, voice. that's what I was going
0: to say. It's hard to it's hard to judge his performance because you got Christopher Reeve's voice. Yeah, one of and his hair and his nose. Yeah,
1: yeah, because oh, he, he got, had a he wig. He had makeup. He had yeah, a wig. They all wore wigs. Um, you know, I think that was one of the funniest things I've posted in a long time. A friend of mine sent me a catalog from an auction. That took place in California back in November, December. And one of the items that was being auctioned at this Superman auction in California was the wig, the Clark Kent wig that Chris wore in Superman 3 during the junkyard fight scene when he was fighting the other Superman. And it's the wig. And people were, what? Chris wore a wig? Yes, he wore a wig as Clark Kent. He wore a wig as Superman. That white thing on Jor-El on Marlon Brando's head. Yeah, that was a wig, people. They, it wasn't. Yeah, a he wig. doesn't have a spit curl. No, this is, it's movies, people. It's magic. Full disclosure,
2: he- I, I didn't <laughs> know until about three years ago about the plastic uh, rubber nose. I, that's how I just, I didn't know until I had heard someone mention it. I said, Really? And then I went back and I, you know, my God, yeah, the guy's. You yeah, can't wait, wait. unsee it. It looks like bad. Yeah, now,
3: you're right, David. Right, right, you yeah. yeah. can't see it. Whoa. Now
0: it's there forever. What
3: what, what well, I, as nose. A kid, due to
0: the voice, I thought it was Christopher Reeve as a kid, yeah. because yeah. I, was fooled, I was fooled by the voice.
1: Who's Rubber Nose? The the kid on Jeff East on Easton. Jeff
0: East, Rubber Nose. Yeah,
1: when he was uh, playing young Clark Kent in the. Oh, uh,
0: now I've uh, ruined it for
3: you.
1: Yes, yeah. <laughs> on the field, our, our work is talking. done here. <laughs> Let's out.
3: folks. We'll see you. Some innocents died tonight.
1: Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Along with but, the internet. and uh, then they well, dubbed over his voice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was Christopher Reeve talking. So poor uh, Jeff. I mean, he. Poor Jeff East. I mean, he's there. He was basically a
0: body double. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He basically a body double because it's a ton of makeup, a fake wig, and Christopher Reeve doing the voice. Not the the only voice Christopher
4: Reeve does in this segment.
1: And they also edited the voice, by the way. They they sped it up just slightly. They tweaked it so it would be a little higher pitched. Than, well, you know, I heard, like I heard they the...
0: mixed East and Reeve's voice a little bit.
1: Oh, interesting. I had not read that. But I, I can go along with that. I'll go with that. The if, funny thing is,
0: they probably could have gotten away, if they did these scenes early enough, mm-hmm. they probably could have gotten away with skinny shit Christopher Reeve as Teenage Clark.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, skinny Clark. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. Before he bulked up, they probably could have gotten away with him playing at the NHL Before Park. Lord Vader bulked him up.
1: Right. Exactly. In fact, that was one of the things I did recently when watching it for a, a different podcast. I was watching it again, and I paid attention to try to see when scenes were filmed based on the body size of Christopher Reeve. <laughs> because, they, you know, they film these things way out of sequence and stuff. And some of the stuff, there is that little skinny guy there. But then right. at other parts, when he pulled that door off and saved Lois from the... That's full-blown workout. Mm-hmm. Filling that tights, boy. Looking good. So... I jumped ahead. Th- I, I, I jumped right off the track, right into a scene that you'll be doing with other people. Oh, just like Amaris.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. There, This is... So this is goodbye to Ma Kent and... Uh, you know, I like the way this is shot because there's a lot of distance between them. Mm-hmm. They don't really come close at all until until the hug, till the embrace, until, until, the, the, until the hug. So, there's a, yeah, almost as if, as if you know Clark is moving away from her. I, I, I like the way Donna shot that. Yeah, I, I love,
4: just, I love the the pivot once they're looking out in the distance as well. That you you right. the, the viewer move away,
3: mm-hmm. right?
1: Yeah, and I think know, most like, of the Smallville scenes here and this are just beautiful. They're really mm-hmm. beautiful. Uh, I felt
3: just, bad for the at the funeral only like. I'm assuming those were the Hubbards. They're the only ones at the wait, at the funeral. That's sad. I made well, me think it. of It's
4: Superman by Tom De I, I just recently listened to the auto, audio drama of it, and a lot of people didn't go to Jonathan's funeral because he was cantankerous and kind of a troublemaker. So, uh,
1: I, I thought it was a small crowd because it's a farm community, and there just weren't that many people in Smallville. Right, and it was just a couple of the neighbors came. It wasn't. You know, that's another thing they did change from the Silver Age. They went back, you know, in most of the Silver Age, the Kents weren't farmers. They were grocery store owners. Mm-hmm. General oh. store. They owned a yeah. general store in Smallville and lived in the suburbs just outside of downtown off of Main Street. Uh, right. Well, this
0: movie did bring a lot of the older classic stuff back because they were still grocery store owners at the time in the comics, as I recall. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I be- and we're going to see this later when Clark goes to the Daily Planet. I believe it in the comics at the time, he was still at GBS.
1: Yes. In the Bronze Age, in the 78, he was at GBS. He was not back. When did he go back to the planet? I think just before the reboot is when he, sometime in early 80s. As you he say, went, 83,
4: 84.
1: Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Sometime there, and he went back to being a, a reporter at the planet. But yeah, in the late 70s now, he's a, a TV anchor guy. and. Yeah. Right. Um, that explains that coloring book I bought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there's, there's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Topic for another discussion.
0: Right. So, <laughs> as we mentioned, most of Jeff East's performance was lost. Because I'm pretty sure he performed the lines on set. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like, you know, Dave was, when David Prowse in Star Wars was doing Vader's lines and it all got overdubbed by James Earl Jones. Right. Same thing here.
1: Right. Except in this one, you can see his lips move. Right. Yeah. Darth Vader, there's not a whole lot of lips moving there.
0: <laughs> so and no rubber nose.
1: No, no, no. <laughs> no. The, the,
0: the rubber nose disappears uh, after, after 12 year training. You shed your rubber nose and you move on. <laughs> I don't mean, know. I lost my rubber nose through puberty right. as well. Right. <laughs> and then then we get to the fortress and oh, that's a good scene. Yeah. Well You know, and we, before that, when he opens the bag to pull out the crystal. What's that in the bag? What's that red and blue stuff in the bag? Good That's, question. Is that it's
1: the suit? that the suit or the blankets? It's not the suit. It's the blankets. Yeah, I don't think it's a suit yet. <clears throat> I don't I don't know why, and they don't explain in the movie, but in my own little headcanon, uh somehow the fortress turns all of that into a costume or Jorel or some works. Does it look like a costume when he opens that bag? Or does No, nah, he... it, it just looks
0: red and blue. Yeah,
1: it doesn't look like. And I think if there had been a suit, they would have made more of it. Uh, maybe right. the yellow part of the S on the cape. I yeah, did. I, I didn't, would
3: think... have seen an S if it was a costume.
1: Yeah, that's what I think, too.
2: I couldn't get past the fact that the set looked like a Rankin and Bass, uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer Christmas.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she thinks I'm cute.
0: <laughs> just, oh, just, just went for the yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: So the what do you guys?
1: Sink. What do you got now? This is something else, and 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 since you know you guys grew up with this fortress and weren't reading, you know, other fortresses. This is the fortress you guys probably knew first.
0: This, this was my first fortress. Right. Giant key, nothing like that. This was yeah, first as well. Uh, you know, so uh, my favorite though is the is the key.
1: You see that to me, I loved this Age fortress and all that. I. I, I I was a little disappointed in uh, both the Krypton scenes, not originally seeing it in the theater first time. Uh, first time I was just, you know, gobsmacked about every scene, every second. You know, you just couldn't mm-hmm. take it in enough. But in hindsight, watching it a few thousand times now, uh, you know, the, the Krypton scene, the look of Krypton being this cold, almost dead sterile thing and uh, now the fortress, just being this spiky crystal thing. Um, uh, I was kind of hoping for the side of a mountain and a giant yellow key, but I it knew is, they weren't going to do that. Well, I it's knew very
0: sterile, very mm-hmm. yeah, very harsh architecture. Yeah, it's uh,
1: very harsh. It's not very cozy at all,
0: and no place to have a shrine to, and, and statues of all of his friends. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> and, and you know, and I think they're 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 doing well. I don't want to go there right now, but. That part of, of of this movie did bother me a little bit, is the look of the fortress. And it's the one that has stayed now until recently. This has been the fortress look from this moment on. When we see the fortress built right there in this scene, from this moment on, even in the comics after that point and movies and anywhere else they showed it, this is the fortress. This sterile, cold, crystalline... Uh, fortress. Um, That's
2: one of the reasons why I love. I don't know if you guys have read um, John Burns' "A World of Krypton." Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. One mm-hmm. of the reasons I love that story so much is that he took the history of Krypton and you could he went back, you know, hundreds of years, thousands of years. I don't know how many years it went back, but you could see that Krypton was once beautiful, and it slowly over time evolved into this cold planet with these cold people that 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 kind of, you know, shunned, you know, uh, what what made them, you know, human or what made them Kryptonian, you know, the, their past. Right. They, they mm-hmm. had a vibrant past according to the comic, which was great, I thought, you know, and uh, that always helped ease. Uh, that
1: helped ease uh, it. it. I think Byrne in right. the world of crypto, when he redid that Krypton, I think he basically did that because of all of the crap he was catching about Man of Steel number one and the treatment of Krypton by those of us who had been reading comics for 20, 30 years up to that point, who saw Krypton as a, you know, a science fiction futuristic utopia that you were sad to see it explode. John Byrne's Krypton, I couldn't wait for that damn planet to blow up.
0: And I think that's what John Byrne wanted. And probably. He, and I think He wanted Krypton to be a place that people, you know, either wanted it to blow up or didn't care that it did.
1: Right. And I think we've, unfortunately, are going back to that, where the Kryptonian society was not a futuristic utopian, potentially utopian, what Earth could be.
0: Uh, well, the thing is that they, that they were, but and they stagnated. And they lost it
1: over time. Yeah. But I think that's one of the things that Man of Steel did better than this movie, is... Uh, getting you a giving you a feeling that at one time Krypton was a vibrant, uh, scientifically you know advanced, just beautiful, magical place that had beco- that we're seeing the end of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Man of Steel did that better. Now, granted, they had you know what thirty five years to <laughs> uh, to to think about it and, and work on it, and for the time. The opening scenes of seeing Krypton and the camera and the way the sun and the, all those special effects for this movie in 1978, you were you were literally gobsmacked. You were thought, oh, my God, that's a whole other planet. That's amazing what they're doing. I do and, have one. Yeah.
3: I do have one question, though. The, it, 1978, we've had Star Trek. We've had Star Wars. Not movie. Why are, why is Krypton such a blurry, out-of-focus planet?
4: <laughs> You wouldn't have Star Trek till the next year, which would build yeah. up of these. But yeah, yeah, Star Wars is a very valid point.
3: Yeah.
1: Ooh, uh, when, when Alderaan be, blew up, I could see continents. <laughs> and they also had uh, – they used two different cameras and models for Krypton. Uh, some of the best scenes is when it finally does explode and you see all the little people falling. Oh, I love it. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a great. That's a great scene there when all the people are falling and it's all tinted. Those guys dead. had it coming. Yeah. yeah well, yeah, and planet needed to blow up too, but uh, uh, just to shut Brando up, for God's sake.
2: He didn't shut up. He came. <laughs> <laughs> you ever seen the Donner cut?
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he, doesn't yeah, he doesn't shut up. He doesn't shut
2: up. He's had a lot of words for his eleven million dollars. Yeah, so for but how many, how many for heard, three days of how, how many words can you, can you keep hearing Krypton?
1: Krypton. <laughs> But the words
3: and Colel uh,
1: kollel, and Krypton. Now, my yeah, wife has said that- that's
3: how you pronounced it.
1: My wife has said that so many times now as a joke. Krypton. She, now she automatically says it's Krypton. No, don't do that. But, it's Marlon
2: Brando. They probably told him once how to say it, and he said, you
0: know, screw you guys. I'm Marlon Brando. I'm Yeah,
1: I don't think they ever <laughs> well, told him how to say it. I think it, he— Well, they,
0: they used up all their currency I not could to uh, have I him could, play uh, the role of the giant bagel. Yeah. <laughs> and you
1: also have or to remember, briefcase. he's reading cue cards off camera and in the ear opposite. You'll notice he never will turn from left to total right in any one scene. You'll never see both ears in the same scene because the off-camera ear— has an earplug in it where the assistant director is off-camera reading him his lines. Wow. He never memorized the script.
0: No, for anything. Actually, I was reading something on Brando for the last episode, and basically, uh, I think he, it might have even been Brando who said this. A lot of his trademark uh, dramatic pauses was because he was looking for the yeah, next He couldn't, the next he couldn't Q-Card.
1: remember the next line. And he was famous for it in Godfather – where he just went up totally in his lines, where there's supposed to be this huge monologue. But because of the way he just sat there and scaring people staring in the camera, they left it and just said, we can we can get rid of that. That was what we needed. Because, I, can, I can believe right. that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I make fun of Brando in this movie and his wig and, and all the stuff. But he is one of my top five favorite actors of all time. This I will make fun of Brando, but he was... Absolutely, a brilliant, brilliant actor in his time, and uh, I will defend him. Yes. And and in the Donner cut, I have to. I just recently watched a few weeks ago the Donner cut for the first uh-huh. time. I'd never seen the Donner cut, and oh. finally broke down and watched it. And the Brando extra Brando stuff in the fortress really added quite a bit to the story. Right. Mm-hmm. It really made people. You get now you understand. Oh. That's why. Right. So you know, uh, I know they catch a lot of crap for what they cut. Some of the stuff should have been cut. It was ridiculous stuff that they put in there. But and they 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 made the right decision cutting those those scenes out. But some of this Brando stuff probably should have been left in.
0: That's really all the only thing from the Donna cut that I wanted. You don't want Superman with sweat stains under no. Can't agree.
1: Agreed. <laughs> Yeah, I also think it's funny, and somebody mentioned this to me the other not too long ago. In in the scene uh, where Christopher Reeve, after Lois is dead, and he does that pause, and then looks up to the sky and opens his mouth wide and screams, you can see his fillings on high def. Why would Superman have fillings in his teeth? <laughs>
3: Uh, it's some rubble just left from when he was holding the train.
1: Yeah. Oh. Okay. okay. Just some dirt got in there. It's not really fillings. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, I kind of derailed us again. But.
0: That's okay. We're at this fortress that now uh, that you know was built in a rather amazing sequence for 1978. Yes. And you know what? And this is really not a fault of the movie. We just can't get away from this fortress. The creators that have come after this just can't let go of this. Can't movie. let go of it. And as much as I I love this movie, I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to. For the current creators to move on from it mm-hmm. and and do their own thing. Yeah, it doesn't even have to
4: be a giant key. I mean, I like when they did no. they had the tesseract, right? Um, right. Different it doesn't honor- have to
1: have the giant key, but I think it needs to be more of a of a of a place that has rooms and and chambers, and it has to be a thing. You know, it has, it has, it has to be door. someone
2: hospitable.
1: It has to, be. <laughs> yes. Damn it, yes, <laughs> and a place you want to take Lois. Without her freezing to death. Without her freezing right. to death. No ice bed. No ice bed. No. And it, that or ice hammock. That whole scene should have been eliminated from Superman 2. We won't go there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> All right. So, Floaty Jarrell head. Oh yeah. <laughs> that, that that's where we are at this point. Little, I've
4: had a lifelong fascination with with the crystalline version of his face.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. As it turns. Yeah, in the camera, yeah, and you, you get the PO view
4: of of the floating head.
1: Yeah, this movie does really chills. great with,
4: re- yeah, we go- it does such a good job at revealing characters,
1: right?
4: Not just here, but I mean, when Lois shows up, you see it through Jimmy's camera. I know we're kind of jumping ahead, right. but just kind of, yeah. it's easier to put that thought out there that everybody's introduction is well done.
1: It's well
3: done, exactly. Yeah. Oh, and when we get to the planet, I there's something
0: I, I I never noticed until I turned the subtitles on. So I can't wait to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, first we got jor speech once we get past Krypton and Colel, Twelve years. Twelve, twelve, it takes twelve years to turn Jeff East into Christopher Reeve.
3: <laughs> now, is that <laughs> it? Did I miss that dialogue?
2: The past that. Years, we have that we By the time we return to the confines of your galaxy, twelve of your years will have passed.
0: Okay, so, he, he's off on an intergalactic walkabout. It's hard to get, to get all the dialogue because there's a lot of weird echoing and... <laughs> word that's kind of transposed over mm-hmm. others. Right. So the speech is kind of hard to follow.
1: But they basically but do tell you that it's, it's uh, you know, on his 18th year, he went to the fortress. He spent 12 years apparently in the fortress. I think this is something that is an interesting topic of discussion. What actually happened during those 12 years? Was he totally just in the fortress listening to Jor-El talk for 12 years? Or was he out in the world doing other things and being taught the lessons of, you know, this. They don't show you. They don't let you know. You have no idea.
4: I've always yeah. assumed that he went to college. So off right. His mother once in a
3: while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah, you Yeah. Know. I always thought he was just like on some sort of intergalactic – because it's, you know, it was like we're traveling through the galaxy and stuff. And I'm like, well, okay.
0: <laughs> just got back in a little bit I shit and what,
3: my, went off in space.
0: Like a, like a planetarian type. Either. Yeah, like a, right. a VR yeah. – Mm-hmm. He, he got he got to look at a bunch of weird uh, spacey-looking things. But Stop by, saw a name. This... named Max and went, huh, I wouldn't mind having... <laughs> I, I might stop by here later.
1: Interesting.
0: All right, so, but certain phrases do stand out. Mm-hmm. The big yes. one.
3: It is forbidden for you to interfere with
1: human history.
0: Rather let your leadership stir others too. Okay, doesn't his very existence alter the path mm-hmm. of you yes. interfere with human yes. history? Yes. <laughs> yes. I think he's talking
4: so about he... more in the, in the big... Uh, scheme of things
3: well also it seems like um later because when i was i I kept watching when he comes back and jor-el goes so you have revealed yourself to the world so be it i think jor-el's original plan was clark was superman to you know do all his super stuff but um you know moving at super speed or they were just at you know accidents that never happened oh i wonder if that's been I, but that's I bet the that's Donner where this cut. happened during the 12
4: years, that he was doing these things. That's why he so instinctively does the shirt rip.
1: Right. Right. So, because he, that was in the Donner cut, the extra dialogue, that oh, line yeah, that's what what I you just it. said.
0: Yeah, that was in the in the director's cut. Yeah,
1: because in the in the regular cut, you don't hear jor tell him about it. You have no, as far as we know, he's, he does the fortress, 12 years past of jor talking to him, and then he flies towards the camera.
0: Right. Alright, so there's, there's a few more phrases before we fly toward the camera. Live as one of them, to discover where your strength and your power are needed.
3: To always hold in your heart
0: the pride of your special heritage. So that basically says, have your secret identity, but hold in your heart your special heritage. Now here's the big one.
1: They can be a great people,
0: kal They wish
1: to be.
3: They only lack the light to show the way. For this reason
2: above all, their capacity for good. I have sent them
0: you.
4: My only son. Space Jesus. Space, Jesus. Yeah. Space <laughs> well, listen, Jesus. Just to add to that, I mean, if he was 18 when he went in 12 years past, he's also 30 years old, which is he's when also, Jesus started right. his, yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> and that contradicted- when Jesus started his mission, yeah. Yeah. And that contradicts
3: what Joel later said when, you know, when he first gets into the fortress, I will have been dead
0: for many thousands of years. No, so how d- did he know don't, anything don't, about don't, humanity? Don't, 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 don't. There's wormholes don't, involved. Don't. <laughs> don't, don't, try, don't try to unpack that. It doesn't go anywhere good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do we like Space Jesus? Do we like everybody no. being, that Superman being uh, an icon for Jesus? Do we like that?
4: No. It's insulting to no, Siegel I, and Schuster, who were who were Jewish, and Superman was
0: built off a Moses
1: allegory. Right. Thank you. I Thank agree. You. Thank you.
0: Well, I, I heard this term uh, on on another podcast. I don't know if any of you guys listened to uh, Zaki Hassan. Yep, Zaki. Mm-hmm. Where he, he talked to Mark Hughes about Superman for the 80th anniversary, and the coins the for that I found very interesting, Old Testament Superman and New Testament Superman. Ooh, mm-hmm. This is kind of the beginning of New Testament Superman. This is the
1: beginning of New Testament Superman. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is Jesus. I'm I'm sorry, Bob. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, it's just, it is kind of one of my pet peeves is that I think it, you know, I think it demeans both of them.
0: It does. It it demeans the the religions. Yes.
1: Mm -hmm. And uh, the thing that really bothers me about it is that the thing that makes, there's two things really.
0: That Brian Singer and Zack Snyder couldn't get away couldn't get away from it. Well, yeah, yeah. I
1: don't. Brian Singer, I don't know where his head was, but Zack Snyder should have known better. But he doubled down on it. Boy, even did he to, did even to the poses and the dialogue and everything else. But uh, the thing that bothers me a little bit about it is that first off, Jor El saying those lines for these reasons, I send them you, my only son, to show them the light. Bullshit. He sent him here because Earth. Gave him the best possibility of survival.
0: Right, he sent him here to live. That was
1: the that was the discussion from my earliest memories of reading Superman comics to to uh, the George Reeves original uh, Superman on Earth. Jor-el was not sending him to Earth to show us how to be better Kryptonians or how to rule the world or how to be anything. He sent him here because he knew he had the best chance of survival here. That end of discussion. May, May I offer a theory?
3: Yes. Please. Since that whole scene was all, you know, just no actors, it was all that, you know, the space stuff, could maybe they have added that, you know, had Marlon Brando come in, read some lines and, you know, over an hour, and splice all that in after everything was done because someone said, "Hey, this sounds better." Because it just I'm sure it doesn't really flow with beforehand. previous dialogue.
1: Well, uh, all of well, all of Brando's stuff was done in the one week he was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't come back to do any voiceovers. He did, he was in, got paid, and left. Oh, okay. Well, uh, that In that fact, he, he In fact, that one of the jokes that Donner said is that uh, uh, when a, when a meeting the first time he met with Brando. Uh, Brando gave him the suggestion that he film a bagel on a stool and Jorel would read the lines that way. Brando would read the lines. That was his way of saying, This is really stupid. Anybody can do this. Why do you want me? This is crazy. But Brando came in, read his lines, and left. He didn't come back for any of the voiceovers. No, this was, I think, as Dave put earlier, Mankowitz? Was that his name? Um, Tom Mankowitz, yeah. Tom yeah. Mankowitz came up with the whole idea of the Jesus storylines. Uh, and, and Dave is absolutely right. Siegel and Schuster may have taken, and I will say may, it, part of their subconscious. They didn't literally read the book and say, ooh, let's make him a Moses metaphor. That was not part of... It.
0: There's not much Moses in those early action comic no, stories.
1: No, no. Just the mere thought. Actually, of they're it. very naive. But
4: Samson and Hercules and, and the golem yeah, a, from Jewish... A lot of that. Yeah,
1: all of that. Yes, all of that stuff is there. The thing that I appreciate about the way Superman was written prior to this and then prior to Burn was the fact that if... For example, you're a Christian person and you are you have a lot of belief and you're well read in the Bible and stuff. If just the mere fact that, oh, hey, they're putting their little baby into a rocket to send him off so he can have a better life, that's the same thing Moses' mother did. Because they were coming after the firstborn children, she wanted to save her son. She wasn't thinking he will grow up to be Moses. No. She was thinking, I need to save my son.
0: I was watching this documentary once. I couldn't tell you what it was, but this guy was talking about how he wanted to do basically a class on like, comic book superheroes. Mm-hmm. And whoever was in charge didn't take it very seriously. Then he then he said, "All right, tell me the story of Moses."
1: Right. Mm-hmm.
0: A boy sent away. Blah blah blah. Then tell me the story of Superman. And the guy's like,
4: "Oh, oh, wow! Yeah, you've got your grant. They're
0: similar. That was Michael Us. Yeah, exactly. He that he got his
4: grant. Yeah."
1: But you see, Lusko, I
4: think that was Secret Origin of the DC Comics documentary, I believe. Exactly.
0: Oh, that, that was? I, and I think you so. See,
1: and you see, that I don't mind. If you, as a viewer, draw from it because there is some sort of subtle similarity to it. But when you have an alien on a planet that is a thousand light years away saying and reading and quoting New Testament scripture. Okay, you've taken me right out of the movie this is no longer about an alien now you're preaching to me now you're adding layers of something that had you not had Jor-El say that I may have come to that conclusion myself because Mm -hmm. maybe I'm a Christian maybe I see the similarities but to have Jor-El actually say I send them there to show them the light and then Zack Snyder does the same thing they're a good people they only need something to show them the way
2: I think you're right. I think he just wanted to save his life. John Byrne hit on it in his uh, interpretation where Laura even said, Well, they're savages. Perhaps he will rule them. And 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 JorEl says, "Well, perhaps, but perhaps. You know, perhaps. he has the best. You know, he, this is where
0: he will. He, he ha- this is where he has yeah. the best chance to live."
1: That was one of the best he things I did like about that burn take. Is that Laura's concern was that the planet was so far backwards, it was savage. It was savages. It was exactly. savages. he but JorEl knew that he will have strength, he will be able to survive here. But he wasn't saying he will show them the way. No. That is just not part of it. And I think they diminish both the story of Jesus and the fact that this man, Superman, this is what I like about the character of Superman so much, is that he's not a god. Yes, he has incredible powers, but it's the man, with or without those powers, what he overcame and what he becomes, and how he chose to use those powers. That says and, and so and much how more. he was raised, too. I mean, some, yes. of my, some of my favorite
2: Elseworld comics, Superman, is an asshole. I mean, yes. Red Sun uh, yes. and there's a, been a couple of great annuals by Byrne where, where – uh, you know, Superman could come down and take over the, the world, you know, yeah. it, it, it's all about luck in Jonathan Kent, you know, and, and, and had he been raised by someone that didn't teach him the right morals, he could have went a totally
1: yes. different direction. Yes. Nothing. Again, the beauty of, about of the Superman story is that the, the luck of landing, uh, and being found by the Kents, um, and uh, in my Superboy episode a couple of weeks ago, I talk about that and how they changed that story. Basically, from 1938 till 1944, in the introduction of Superboy, the only thing we really knew about the Kents and, and, and even Jor-El and Laura was the little blurb at the beginning. Rocketed as a baby right. from the exploding planet Krypton. Found by, end of story. Now he's Superman going right. about doing Superman stuff when Superboy came in is when they started talking about how the Kents influenced him and how joy and how overwhelmed they were by and him. how totally overwhelmed well, they correct
0: were. me if I'm
2: wrong but didn't they they originally just take him to the orphanage and because mm-hmm. kind of afraid of what this kid could do and it was later on that they went
1: was, it wasn't fear no what happened was in the original story it was a stranger saw the rocket land Oh there's a baby he took it to the orphanage and the Kints later went back and adopted him they recon that later that the stranger wasn't a stranger it was actually Jonathan that found him took him to the orphanage and then Martha said well let's go get him and then they went back and that's when the orphanage said here thank you very much take this this <laughs> flying this
0: terror of a baby thing. yeah he's yeah. 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 a child and go take him Someone away from a us flying baby yeah, And, <laughs> and then the, Take kids. the special needs kid out of
1: here. And then they found out exactly what kind of special needs he was. And uh, from a very and, early and then a,
0: And then a month later, they took him on a cruise ship, lost him, and had to adopt him again. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's that's a little later in the Silver Age. But, you know, and it's really funny in the in his original Superboy story, he becomes Superboy in costume. And he did it himself. He says, gee, you know, I'm going to have to keep this secret because all the other kids are going to be scared of me. And he, one night, made his own costume and became Superboy at the age of eight. Yeah. Eight. The first Superboy was eight years old. They later reconned that. It didn't take long before he became 10, 12. And then uh, by 1950, uh, he's the Superboy that we knew, early teenage 15, 16 year old or so, but uh, terrific stuff, I love that kind of details of, you know how they change and bring it back
0: now we're at the, uh, and I'm like Dave, I love the crystallization of uh, jor head,
1: mm-hmm. yeah I do too, that's so cool,
0: and and it, as it transitions into the shot of Superman, now this is the first time I've thought about this mm-hmm. well, and I don't want to get you guys' opinions on this too, well it's nice to finally see Superman 48 minutes into the film, I do wonder if this shot takes away from his appearance later and maybe the short rip at the helicopter should be his. The first time we see the suit. What do you guys think?
4: It would be hard to really focus with everything that's happening in the double jeopardy scene. So this just right. this gives you that here here is what you've been waiting for. Yeah,
1: this right, is a good he payoff.
2: Is. And then Metropolis this is a, the.
1: I agree. I'm, yeah.
2: I'm, I'm on team uh, J. David.
1: Yeah, me too. Okay, me too. Yeah. this was a great tease. If nothing else, this was a great tease. And the fact that you know now afterwards that Donner said, uh, the shot, we didn't know if we were going to get it or not. And when Chris came toward the camera, he ad-libbed the little wink and wave and banked (laughs) himself.
0: Yeah, and the bank, yeah. And he did the
1: bank. I do
0: believe that was the first flying shot. That was the Mm -hmm. first
1: flying shot. And from that point on, uh, uh, they knew. Donner said – Right after, he said, even behind the camera, he said, we knew right then. He said, oh, God, we've got it. We're going to do it. Yeah. And that scene to me, yeah, it sets up beautifully what is about to happen.
0: Yep. And what it does, too, it kind of ends the uh, the second film of the, quote-unquote, three films in this movie. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So it is a nice transitional yeah.
1: scene. No, because I think it's perfectly timed. And again, going back to the scene in the theater at the time, like you say, we're 48-plus minutes into the movie, Before we're seeing him for the first time, and we see him for 15, 20 seconds in that little flight scene as he flies off, and the theater erupted. It was, I did it again, chills. It's 98 Mm -hmm. degrees in here, and I just got chills from that little flight scene towards him. It was just amazing. And, and not just the the scene itself, but then you
3: have, you know, the the John Williams just oh, building yeah. it up. Oh, well, so oh, when, the music.
0: He
1: does that bank, you're like, yeah! Yeah, exactly. And thank you for bringing up John Williams. We haven't even mentioned John Williams yet. And
0: Yeah, yeah. speaking of John Williams, you know, wow. we're talking about how well we know this movie in the last segment. Yeah. I was listening to uh, Garage Sale glowed about a week ago, and they were playing, McGregor was playing... Uh, the soundtrack and I'm like, yeah, I heard to him. And that's the part where the floaty Jarrell head shows up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> but just it's just so brilliant. That that theme, everything about it. I mean John Williams has done some great, 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 great uh, obviously great music. And we can just go down the list of all the great stuff he's done. But I don't know a single Superman fan that if you just hear that you just all you just know that is just brilliant. Mm-hmm. absolutely a brilliant piece of music, and it's the perfect music for this movie. You
0: know, I've heard it said that the John Williams music works can work with all versions of Superman, but the reverse does not work.
1: Oh,
4: I can see what you're saying
0: there. You could put the John Williams version to any version of Superman, and it would work.
1: Well, yeah, we've actually seen it on, if you go to YouTube, there's all kinds of compilation videos and stuff. Even to the George Reeves stuff, with him doing, he never really did a real shirt rip, but there are...
0: No, we did not. But
1: there are things that look close to it. And um, mixing George Reeves with John Williams' music and him jumping out the window, it's it's still the same thing. You just go, yes, that's Superman. Yes. It's just, it's so good.
3: I think also with that theme, you know, the da, 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 you have Superman. From then on, every theme always had those three notes to kind of give a audio representation of, Superman? of
0: the word of
2: the
3: word Superman. Yeah, yeah, ever since then.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that is something that the animated series does it too. Yeah, the
2: animated series came as close to I think
0: perfection with music. Yep, Pro- probably as close as anyone will get. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. that's a good series. That's just I still hold that really high in high regards. So
0: we go to uh, Manhattan now, Metropolis. I know, and this is <laughs> this is my my one bugaboo with the re- with the refilms being from New York City. It is very hard for me to see Metropolis, mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah,
0: because hell, I guess I used to be able to see the Twin Towers from my street. Yeah, it's hard to picture that as Metropolis. Right, when, uh, right. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that's the same for anyone whose home city doubles as Metropolis in a movie. But or, it is really hard for me to not see New York with. Uh, well,
1: I did. The, I do the same thing in Civil War movies, Lincoln, and so many of the other ones. They shoot. I don't know why they come to Richmond, Virginia. Hmm, I wonder why. But right. uh, I do the same thing. I see, you know, Lincoln walking down a street that's supposed to be Washington, DC, and I'm like, <laughs> No, 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 that's rich that's our capital. It's right over there. Right. Yeah, I know. So I can imagine but I've never had any problem seeing metropolis. Even when it's New York.
0: Especially when we get to the train station later, as I'm hearing all of the yeah. suburban towns yeah. of New York being yeah. announced New Rochelle, but campus territory. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. It's a little too on the nose yeah. to where Metropolis Yeah, but is. you
1: know, Metropolis was always the the you know, DC's version of New York. It is New York. It's not a separate city until now. Now, of course, they even mention, "Oh, we're going to New York or Washington." They mention right. real places uh, along with Gotham and Metropolis being right there with them. But well,
0: uh, I kind of like Metropolis being kind of a nebulous coastal city, mm-hmm. yeah. and I don't need I don't need to know exactly where it is. Right.
1: I always took it for being just New York, and right. Gotham was either uh, Chicago or um, um, Chicago. <laughs> <Right>. Well, <laughs> Detroit. See, uh, uh,
3: see the Dark Knight
0: trilogy.
1: Yeah. It's Chicago, yeah, it's Chicago. Mm, yeah,
0: well, a lot of Dark Knight Rises was filmed in New York. Mm. Uh, that bridge scene in Dark Knight Rises took me right out. That's not Gotham City. That's yeah. the Queensboro Bridge.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, my I, favorite Gotham is still the Michael Keaton first Michael Keaton Gotham,
0: right? Because that was no city. We've no city I've ever that seen is, anywhere. that exists in the world. <laughs> yeah, it was great. That's it's great. No city that exists in the world. Yeah. and see, I
4: had a, I had an inverted version of what you're experiencing because having been at New York. What was it? Two two years ago, right? Went to the Daily News building. I imprinted Metropolis onto New York. <laughs> right. right.
1: That's not the Daily News. That's the that's the Daily Planet. Yep. Absolutely. That's where Scott Gardner and I got
4: caught in the revolving door.
2: You gotta be careful with those doors, man. Yeah. And Scott Gardner.
3: Now, right. if only you had gotten caught with Gal Gadot. Oh man! If only. <laughs> if only.
0: <sighs> All right. So moving on. <laughs> I'm not. You, you guys, guys go Before we get ahead. ourselves
1: into real...
0: <laughs> so we get the... Now we're at the Daily Planet. Like like we mentioned before, another great reveal. Through the camera. Through the camera. And it starts with that masthead on the typewriter, and it just goes on.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So we see around the newsroom, the uh, first thing we see is... We get our first look at the Margot Kidder as Lois, who who recently died a few mo- months or so ago. Mm-hmm. We should all have a moment of uh, poor spelling and bad punctuation in honor of Margot Kidder. Okay. <laughs> and I love that scene. And that scene... I didn't get mad until I,
3: I rewatched it for, for the show where in Superman Returns they do this, the whole spelling joke thing again. I'm like, no, that does not work. She's using a laptop with a word processor and
0: an auto spell. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I Everyone just, yeah. on typewriters, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And I have no problem with Lois having spelling issues. There are people out there who just can't spell. Right. I know teachers who can't spell. Yeah, no problem. So, yeah.
2: Nah. I just kept thinking about how newsrooms have changed since mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I can tell you, as someone who works at a newspaper, I can tell you how they've changed. A, a lot. There's no people in There's them no anymore. There's no people
1: there, right. I was going to say, that's the <laughs> big changes. There are no people there anymore.
0: Yeah, they're empty
3: now.
4: This would be, I love that they got the flurry of activity that would have been the newsrooms in the 1980s and
3: 70s. Yeah. Right. Yep. And now I can talk about what I've been waiting for all night.
0: go ahead ahead, aaron the floor is yours (laughs) lois's story did you guys catch what she's investigating sex maniac profile
3: no no, orgy and drug parties in a retirement home Mm -hmm. i want that retirement home that is because i just sent my grand-grand to one and i want to make sure she's okay what 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 was that again? Might be. Yeah, her story is she's investigating drugs and orgies in a retirement home.
1: Orgies in a retirement home.
0: Yeah, seventies. The ah,
1: they are no, real. From the there's okay. there's a lot more going on in those homes than you realize. They're not
0: just oh. eating soup,
1: right? <laughs> right. Believe it or not, not if, you get not to
0: eat soup and playing canasta, you
1: know people stay horny their entire life. I know a ninety year old guy. And I'll bet he still gets it more than most of you guys. Wow. Yeah. sure he does. Yeah. <laughs> it's amaz- he's an amazing human, if he's human at all. I'm not even sure he's human, to be honest you, with you. I think you just managed to bring everything to like a screeching halt for a yeah. moment. I, I, I don't I don't know where I to go see, from there. I can see Mike trying to edit that now. Do, yeah. do I leave that? Where do I go with that? <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, let's go on to Perry White.
0: <laughs> well, let's let, let, let's let's run through our our three our our mains first. What are you what all we,
1: standing around about for? Move.
0: What do we all think about Margot Kidder as Lois Lane? You know, people are mixed on uh, on Margot looking back on her, mm. but she was my first. She was my first Lois. Yes, yeah, me too. She would have been my first,
4: but she's she's not the one that stayed with me for some reason. Like that didn't come till Dana and It is just her voice, mm-hmm. or right. Terry Hatcher would have been close. I mean. Before that, but didn't stay in the same
3: way. For me, it'd be Terry Hatcher, then Dana Delaney, and then uh, Erica Durance. Ooh, yeah, I liked Erica Durance. Erica's my favorite.
1: <laughs> right, my favorite is Phyllis Coates. Phyllis, Co- she could scream. Phyllis Coates was just just so good. Everything about her was it was the template for what Lois Lane should be. You know, absolutely drop dead gorgeous, but. Feisty and mean and will take a punch, literally, and uh, went for the scoop. Always went for the story. Story is the first thing. Uh, mm-hmm. I just loved her. I thought she was my favorite. I think Terry Hatcher, first season of or first season of uh, Lois and Clark, Terry Hatcher, was just brilliant. I thought she was really good. Right. And mm-hmm. Erica, towards the end of Smallville. And when they ended that last episode... They, in my mind they could have renamed it Metropolis and kept on going. mm mm-hmm.
0: right. uh, They did. Well, she had finally gotten to a point where she was a fully formed Lois Lane. Yeah,
1: she was a well formed Lois Lane by that those last two seasons. And uh she got really high marks for me. But they've been we've been lucky. I think we've had some really, really good Lois Lane's over the years. And then um, there's Kate Bosworth. And then there's Kate Bosworth. She was Ooh. just miscast, poor thing. She was. It was it's not her fault. She's a fine actress, but she was and a really way great too hit. young. And a Way really too great
0: hairdresser
3: one. to survive a you know massive airplane crash without a hair out of place. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So Bob, Margot, uh, Margot uh, is Lois in this movie? Yeah,
1: Margot. Uh, <laughs> I, I liked her in the movie. I thought she was fine and a really good Lois in the movie. Uh, but she is not my favorite Lois. No, and, she's not my And either. there are there are times where she's actually cringeworthy, and you can see her acting. And I don't want to see an actor acting. And and I uh, you know I noticed that, but that's like you know watching it a thousand times again. But uh, again, originally I thought she was great, but in uh, she didn't. Um, she didn't know, commit all the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. I don't think she did either. I don't think she ever really took the part seriously. And when you hear them telling how she acted between takes, you get the feeling because Chris was totally into it. I mean, Chris right. was absolutely you know dead serious you know serious as a heart attack as they say but uh margot as soon as they would say cut would be you know knocking on his cod piece or pulling his cape or making little jokes or you know she was it was just different she was uh different but her on-screen performance i think was good for this movie uh but i hated her in the second movie i wanted to just recast her entirely but i well they did in the third movie kind of yeah they yeah. did and they did. and uh, Annette, Annette oh. O'Toole. Annette uh, O'Toole. Lana Lang. Hello. <laughs> for me, um, it was Moa Kent.
0: Right. So. <laughs> 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 um, well, our ages are... So, yeah, I'm kind of the same. We're kind of neutral on Margot now.
1: <laughs> yeah. But neutral, I think neutral is the way to put it with her. She was adequate for the movie, and I give her all the credit in the world because of the movie. Uh, she doesn't ruin this movie by being there. No. Nobody really ruins the movie by being there. You know, you can question using the villains as comic relief, but but uh, we'll get there. But uh, yeah, but <laughs> but uh, Margot C plus, you know, an adequate Lois Lane, but not a great Lois Lane. I put Noel Neal ahead of Margot Kidder. I
0: yeah, I would too. You know,
1: I oh. so you know there.
0: Should we move on to the most wasted character in any Superman movie? Oh, Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> Well, at, least he, at least he, at least had a speaking role in this one. Yeah, right. He 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 had the most to, of the four. He had the most to do in this one.
1: At least he didn't just get a bullet through the head. Because That's, oh, I thought it would be funny. How? <laughs> That's what Zack Snyder said. I know, but like, how? Yeah. How was a bullet through a head? Yeah. Funny. Yeah. yeah I know. Well, Dick Donovan was
0: throwing out of a window and into a fruit stand. Was funny, so with a duck.
1: A yeah. bullet to the head is not funny. It's not funny under any circumstances, especially to a character that you have set up as Jimmy Olsen.
0: So Mark, let's go around the room about Mark McClure.
1: Mark McClure, on the other hand, uh, adequate Jimmy Olsen, decent Jimmy Olsen. And not given a lot to do, not given much to do, but did it well. I thought, right. I thought for what they were doing for him, making him the, you know, a little goofy kid kind of thing. Uh, he did that. Okay. Uh, it, it, I have still not seen a Jimmy Olsen on screen that is my Jimmy Olsen in my own head canon. Somewhere between a Jack Larson, but even Jack Larson was too comedic for me. Uh, Jimmy, I think you do a disservice to Jimmy Olsen when you just make him a buffoon, a clown. You know, Superman wouldn't have him as his, quote, best pal. If he was a buffoon. And in the Silver Age comics, although he did a lot of transformations and some what people would now say were very silly. Although, for some reason, Jimmy Olsen having spikes come out of his hands are silly. Wolverine is really cool. Hmm. Uh, but you get the what first I'm Ninja saying. Turtle. Exactly. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> you know, you can say he was the first lots of things. Uh, but. I just have a warm spot for Jimmy Olsen. He's one of my favorite characters, and he's one of the least favorite characters of a lot of people. But I've always really liked Jimmy Olsen. You know, I understand why people think of Jimmy Olsen as a throwaway, silly character, but I disagree with them for thinking that. Now you may all talk about Jimmy.
2: I mean, is, um, is it is it tough to write or is it tough to have a Jimmy Olsen and continually make him original or make him interesting as Superman's pal, and uh, is
0: it is it a hard character to? I think in film format when you've only got two hours, yeah, it's hard to find time that's for what him. I was
1: yes, yes, in a movie, it's very hard, and that, uh, that's where I was going. How do you make? Yeah. body? Like, he's
0: really the, you've seen the best Jimmys on TV. Yeah, you, you've mm-hmm.
1: seen the best exactly. Uh, In comics and on TV because they've got time to develop the character. Uh, In a movie, when you've got two hours and you've got, you know, the main guy, the main girl, the main bad guy, the main bad guy's people, you know, Jimmy is going to get the bottom of the barrel. So I understand when Zack Snyder said, well, I don't have any plans to use him. Fine, don't use him.
0: Don't take him out of the toy don't box. Don't
1: take him out of the toy box. Thank you very much. Because then you just read the whole Cadmus arc, you wreck. Yes. <clears throat> yes. I exactly. Know. Thank you. Yes. Yes. So you've are. Now, people are saying because it's movies and right on, they can always say, oh, that wasn't THE Jimmy Olsen. It was a guy who stole his credentials. We're going to... The real Jimmy Olsen was over there. Oh, please. Well, I'm... Um- Fortunately, according to
3: the Batman v Superman extended theatrical cut, which is canon. No, yep. it was Jimmy.
0: He's dead. Yep. There was a guy saying he's Jimmy. And let's move on from that. Yep. He's dead. This is not the Batman v Superman podcast. I no, thought it was cool. Be when a lot shorter if it was.
4: I thought it was cool <sighs> when Jimmy's brother went back to 1955 and changed the history. Oh, wait.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. no, that's good. Right? He,
3: went, he couldn't find the plutonium at any every corner of <laughs> store. You know, it's hard to find. What? What?
4: What the watch? So, how could I be so irresponsible?
0: Anyway,
3: and it, it can't. Be right,
0: done anyway, Tom. Now it can't. <laughs> we get to the last of our underused principles. Jackie Cooper as Perry White. Who, listening to uh, the Donner commentary, uh, Jackie Cooper was cast because he had a passport, pretty much, because <laughs> he could get there, right? Yeah, right. The original actor had heart trouble. Had hard trouble on uh, when he got to England. Donner called Jackie Cooper and said, "He asked if he had a passport." Cooper said he did. When do you need me there? And he said Thursday. And Cooper responded, "Today's Thursday." <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> but really, in this film, he has two defining scenes in my eyes: the interview scene, and later on when he reams out Clark. You got, you got before he got tons of humility, tons of yeah.
3: humility. Yeah, and then so. and not only is he the fastest typist and shows his editor in chief
1: the proper respect. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love I, I love Jackie yeah. Cooper. I thought he was I, do too. I thought he was just just so good as a as a good Perry White and that's another character that we've seen uh, a wide range of actors playing very different Perry Whites and uh, I liked Jackie Coopers. I thought he was you know on the money with it actually I yeah. i I'm, uh, I had no problems with him at all. especially he Fishburne. was Ishburn.
0: He wasn't over the as over the top as John Hamilton was.
1: No, but I still love John Hamilton. I think John oh, Hamilton was a too. great Perry White, uh, and is the template for Perry White. Uh, you know, a reporter that you know did it the hard way, worked his way up, very smart, very intelligent man, multiple degrees. Um, you know, it, I, I enjoyed that Perry White. And I think Jackie Cooper was John a good John Hamilton, Perry White had
0: whatever degree the plot needed him
1: to have. Yeah, anything he needed to have. He could speak multiple languages and whatever the plot needed, Perry White was there to do it. Um, but Jackie Cooper's was a good Perry White, too. And I think he used a little bit of the Great Caesar's Ghost uh, attitude without actually using right. the phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, Don't call me sugar. And don't call me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, and I,
0: love, I love the look after he says that. Almost like he's thinking, wait a minute. Yeah, exactly. No, that's, that's not right.
1: That's not right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I like Jack. I have nothing bad to say about him. I, I've liked him. Ever, and I remembered him as a little kid, Saturday mornings. Uh, as a little kid, you get up really early in the morning, on this, particularly on Saturdays. And like four thirty five o'clock in the morning, they started showing old movies and and cartoons and stuff from like the 30s and 40s. So they would show the little rascals and our gang. And uh, so I knew Jackie Cooper from those as a little blonde headed kid uh, from like those little rascal shows. And uh, again, uh, a bunch of the other movies he did straight stuff and serious stuff and uh, all that. But uh, we got I have no problem with Jackie Cooper here.
0: And then we then we meet Christopher Reeve again as as bumbling Clark
4: what a transformation yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it has it actually will have i mean people un, in, uninitiated would have a double take at this scene, yes, right, yeah. and Lois makes a complete fool out of him uh-huh. and he doesn't bat an eye <laughs>
1: and he would get and- slapped for that one scene of him kind of bumping into Lois as she 's bending over the table. <laughs> He would have gotten slapped nowadays for that little bumble.
0: So, there's a lot of things. There's if you a lot look of things back, almost, and, it, you look back and watch sharp. it now, is the bumbling Clark overdone? Yes. Today's eyes. Mm-hmm. I mean, looking yeah. at it's one of those things. It can work in a movie, mm-hmm. you know, because you're only seeing Clark for a limited amount of time. Right. But you couldn't do this on TV because it would get old too old too quick. Older, they even old. had. To, I mean, they even had to abandon it by Superman three.
1: Well, yeah. that's why Superman three. I like the Clark Kent. That's my favorite version of the Christopher Reeve Clark Kent is Superman three.
0: Honestly, I think Christopher Reeve was, was at his best at, as Superman in that film. That, he
1: was so good. That's a. I think it's an underrated of the three I mean, for yep. good reason. There are a lot of well, problems yeah. with it, but Chris, he's, he's not one. Is not the problem of that movie. Uh huh. That's in comparing this movie to and
4: Bob, you might kill me for this to Superman Returns. I think Ralph really had. The right balance of Clark, the Bumble I agree. And then the, no, okay.
1: I agree. Okay, I think, I think Ralph did a great job with Clark in this movie. Again, my problem with Superman Returns was not Brandon Ralph. My mm-hmm. problem was the story, not the actors. My the only actor I had a problem with was uh, Lois Lane. Okay, that was, and I just think it was terribly miscast. But Brandon Ralph was on the money. Put him in a better costume, and he was just—he was right there, flat out on. What on. Brandon
0: Rouse was asked to do, the movie didn't do many favors. Yeah it, yeah, it did
1: him no favors at all. Can uh, you be
0: more like Christopher Reeve in this
4: scene? That'd be great. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Know, we have great, they didn't let him be a Just draw you.
1: <laughs> right. yeah, exactly, and I think that's why when we watch Legends now and we see Brandon doing some of these other things. He's really good, and I and I could see him doing kind of that, you know. The Christopher Reeve kind of big blue boy scout, you know, a, a little too good to be true, almost. You know,
0: part of me also wondered if Brandon Rouse was ready to do it at that time. Yeah,
1: and and the fact in this very scene we're talking about, uh, when Clark tells Perry, "Oh, by the way, could you send half of my check back to my," you know, uh, he she says something about, "Oh, any more like you back on the farm," and he kind of pushes right. his glasses up and says, "Ah, uh, no, not really, no." No, I
0: wouldn't think so. <laughs> so now, now, this, is, this <laughs> is the part where I'm where I'm going to make Bob mad. uh Oh, because Clark is where George Reeves lo- loses points for me. As a kid, Christopher Reeve was able to fool me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. George Reeves never could.
1: Oh, I see what you're saying. Be- well, Bob's going to get mad at Clark-
0: you. He's going to get mad at me because I agree completely. Yeah. 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 George Reeves and Clark and Superman were too similar.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I totally get that. I. Totally get that. But to me, uh, and again, this is kind of looking at it through kids' eyes of the kid who grew up with this. To me, that was the best Clark Kent that there's ever been. Because, and, and, and people say that, and I hear this all the time, that there's not enough difference between Clark and Superman. But everything about them is different. Everything about them is different. The way Clark stands when he's Clark, the way he talks, when he talks to Perry and Lois and Jimmy, it's Perry, Lois and Jimmy. Right, but I'm not
0: saying there's not enough different. I'm saying I was never fooled.
1: You were never fooled. By George. Oh, I By see. George. Okay. As by a, George. As a kid, you were never fooled. By George. By George. Chris, I was. Interesting. Because obviously I was never fooled by any of them, But because yeah, they're right. letting us all in on the secret. But right. but as, as far as George goes, when, you know, uh, I, I had this conversation with Michael Bradley one time when we were talking about it, and he didn't remember. He had never noticed that uh, as Superman... George never called her Lois. It was Miss Lane, Mr. White. The only one he was familiar with, friendly, was Jimmy. He called him buddy or pal or kiddo as both Clark and Superman. But uh, there were subtle differences. There were little things that were that word difference, I had no problems with them being two separate people. And even today watching them, I see them as two entirely separate people and give George tons of credit because to me, to be to be the number one reporter of the great metropolitan newspaper, I mean, compare it to like, say, the New York Times. If you're going to be the number one reporter of the New York Times, you're not going to be the guy who is bumbling, stumbling, and can't ask questions and can't look at people and falling all over yourself. You have no confidence there. People aren't going to have confidence in you. So I understand for the secret why he was doing it. But uh, I can not get angry at you because I understand. But I can justify George's take. And like you said, imagine trying to be the Christopher Reeve bumbling Clark Kent for 26 episodes for six years.
0: No, you can't. It will get get old.
1: You can't do it. And – he had. He was the lead. Clark Kent was really the lead in the George Reeves shows. Superman, particularly in the color episodes, it was all about everything else. And then Superman showing up when needed at the end. But uh, uh, I can justify it. I can see. yeah, I, I uh, you know, but I'm old and he was my first. So, uh, all right. you know, you're not going to upset me by being wrong. That's okay.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> any, anyone else have any uh, further thoughts on Chris as Clark before we move on? Oh, nope, Let's uh let's keep going. Alright, so first day ends, we get more bum- bumbling and stumbling. Well though we complain about the bumbling Clark, the revolving door's bit never gets old.
1: Never gets old. I, I think that one of the my favorite scenes before he even gets to the revolving door is when he's following Lois and she goes into the woman's uh restroom. That's later. Is that after this? We haven't got there that's yet?
0: That's that's before the helicopter.
1: Yeah, that's before the helicopter scene. Oh, that's right. We're at day one, right? Jump. Ahead. We're at day one. Yeah,
0: we're, we're we're about to get to the mugging.
1: Yeah. Okay. Gotcha.
0: To this uh, mugger in this very uh, nice looking uh, Miami Vice suit. Yeah, well dressed muggers for the time period. <laughs> he was wasn't he? Three piece mugger. <laughs> <laughs> so what do we what do we what do we think? Obviously, this scene was kind of recreated for Wonder Woman.
1: hmm Brilliantly recreated for Wonder Woman.
0: Now what do you think? Did, did Clark actually believe he talked he talked this mugger down?
1: Did he do what?
0: Did he actually believe that he talked this guy down?
1: No. No. <laughs> okay.
0: No. I think this, we know Lois, we, we know Lois didn't believe it, but it, the, I think this scene is important because in for Lois
2: it sets the scene for the type of person that she's going to believe that Clark Kent is. You know, yeah. not not he, the opposite of of, of uh, George Reeves. Okay, he, yes. What you can say about Reeves is, is he was he was heroic. Okay, even as Clark Kent, he even was, as Clark knocking yes. across the deaths. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. He didn't put up with any crap. Yeah. Now that's a, the opposite of the way they decided to play. Um, Clark Kent in the, you know, in uh, Christopher Reeves version. And this is an important scene because it sets it up. And this is, you know, he could have easily have, you know, disarmed the mugger and he would have been George Reeves. okay? but no, he's a bumbling kind of he fainted, you know, and and that sets it up as Lois, you know, for, you know, in theory, she's going to always consider Clark, at least until the next movie, she's going to think of Clark well, Kent.
1: Exactly. First impressions. Right. First impressions. And her first and impression day one of Clark Kent yeah. is that he's kind of a weak
2: kind of a weak. Kind and of that's weak. why to me, it's a really important scene in the movie, at least in that movie, that's going right. to set it up.
1: And it, right. And it did the same thing that the George Reeves movies or TV shows did. It let the viewer in on the secret again. The right. way he you know, as she, you know, and then he looks and drops the bullet and that stuff. Smile
4: that little, and that little
1: yeah. smile. He, 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 could have just done a wink right there, and it would have just been George Reeves. You know, so,
0: and and to this day, well, I think the smile was the Oh, wink. yeah. And to this was, day, yeah. to this
2: day, you want to say, "Come on, man, just just punch the guy." <laughs> just yeah. <do> it. right. <laughs> Part of <laughs> me is just don't be such a wuss. Just, but no, it's important that this important. is you know he wants to. It's
1: important because actually we're still in the Bronze Age. And right. during the Silver and Bronze Age, the most important thing to Superman is his secret identity. Right. It's the most important thing. He will do practically anything to protect uh, that secret. Okay. And, that, and it's one theme after another, after another, after another in the comics. That always comes back to being, well, I need to figure out a way to do this without letting them know I'm Superman. And and,
0: he'll, and and to teach Lois a lesson, and yeah. to teach Lois a lesson, <laughs> Or make her look <laughs> foolish. <laughs> right. Well, right. I can't underestimate how important that particular scene is, at least no. to me. And, no, and we're, we're going we're to come back to that in the next time we see them when she's ignoring him. Yeah. But uh, well,
1: I agree with you <laughs> totally on this. How important this is as a character setup for both Clark, Superman underneath the suit, and what Lois will now think of. Clark, because she hasn't met Superman yet. There's no Superman yet in her world. Right, right now, right. she's meeting Clark. Clark Kent. So speaking of foolish, the next thing we see is
0: Ned Beatty as Otis, played <laughs> very much for laughs, trying to rip off a blind man. I've oh, also got a pretzel, too. I'm paying him, I'm paying yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> and failing to rip off a blind yeah. man. So the, as Bob mentions, the villains, especially Otis, played for laughs. Yeah. To me, the only part that really doesn't hold up but
2: right. I think because it was such a, you know, they were, they were trying to make the, that type of movie for the first time. I think you needed to have some comic relief because right. you wanted to appeal to, to kids and you wanted it. It's very comic booky and, um, and that's what they were going for. So I think you had to have that. But looking back at it now, if you take out that, you know, Otis and some of the funny stuff and it's a different movie.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But I have to take it for a product of its time. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Otis is kind of the stereotypical bumbling henchman.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's Ned Beatty, for God's sakes. It's just one of the greatest actors ever, ever. And you've got Gene Hackman, Valerie Perrine, and Ned Beatty. It's its its an incredible...
0: I don't think Otis works if it's not Ned Beatty. Yeah. No.
1: Nope. Oh, it doesn't. It had to be someone of Ned Beatty's stature to pull that off. Right. If I it, doesn't, if
0: it if isn't Ned
4: Beatty, you don't have that that tuba theme that he that follows him around burm. yes burm. right <laughs> burm.
1: Burm, 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 burm. and even the
0: music is funny yeah
1: exactly absolutely and that was something else about this movie that i love that that harkened back to old time movies is that every character in this movie had their own theme song mm-hmm. every lowest in, all of them they all you, without if you're just listening to the soundtrack as soon as that little like you said the tuba comes in and then the french horn you, oh here comes otis you mentally see Otis. Are we going to Otis? At Apple Bob's, <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: and then the movie turns dark right after that. Yeah, you well, know. It, it, it does. After we're introduced to uh, Richard Donner's cousin, who is the cop on the right. Mm-hmm. Oh. That's the Oh, that's Kane. right. Yes. In Lethal Weapon. And you know what? I, I never put him together as the cabinet from Lethal Weapon. Yep. But it's also ten years later. Yeah. I'll have to watch Lethal Weapon now and, and take a good look at him. Mm-hmm. Because I never put him in Super... Put him together as the uh, armist from Superman.
1: Mm. I haven't but seen yes, the weapon in so long. I, 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 mean, I do yes. know what you're talking about.
0: He's the, the captain. He's... he's the, the captain. Oh, he, oh. The, the guy who was often befuddled by Riggs and Margot. Mm-hmm.
1: Gotcha. Okay, gotcha.
0: But, you know, Harry does meet a rather gruesome end at the hands of Lex Luthor.
1: Yeah, that was pretty gruesome. We're, this is the first death we're seeing, and it's a real live, pretty... Mm-hmm. Pretty scary death scene. You get
0: hit by a train.
1: Yeah, and you feel it the way that it seemed to take it long enough for that. You know, one of my horrors is knowing you're going to die. You know, you're in a situation. It would be like I would think drowning would be. I would think you would know for a few seconds, oh, damn, I'm going to die. You know it's over. Right. Your brain has time. That cop knew his time was up. He couldn't stop right. this thing pushing him in front of an oncoming train. And it just threw him out in front of it. And boom. Oh, yeah.
0: You know, and, and, all, and all the factors kind of work to set up the suspense. You have the music, mm-hmm. the, the cutting from Harry to Valerie Perrine. I don't think we see Gene Hackman's face yet. No, just no we fingers. just
1: see his hand at this point right. pushing the, the knob up. It yeah. is
0: the most gruesome part of the movie, isn't it, really?
2: Mm-hmm. I think that if you're going to I can't think of any other part that that can uh... Well Lois getting buried might be closest. Yeah, well yeah, okay, Lois' no. death
0: is probably <laughs> close probably yeah,
4: that was the pretty, close second. That, got
0: that out. was pretty rough. You actually see that. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember watching
4: this movie when it was on HBO once and and one of my mom's friends just goes, Are we are we watching the same movie?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, but then that's
0: later on when he when he gets back to headquarters, Luther says, mentions that Otis has been followed
1: again. (laughs) So how many
0: times has he done this?
4: Did he he also run into the lamp? Those cat like (laughs) 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 reflexes?
0: Probably. You know, at least once before, because he says you've been followed again. Yeah. I mean, how many people has he shoved in front of a train? Or any other horrible. I I mean, he's got a full gauntlet down there. You're going to find out. So, yeah, right.
1: It's a great little lair. It's just really cool. I do like so our this. So fir-
0: our first view of uh, what Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor is basically him standing there, having, standing there, having killed this guy, looking very smug about mm-hmm. it. And I think smug is just about mm-hmm. every way to describe Gene Hackman's portrayal yeah. of Lex. Yeah,
1: yeah. I both. I, I have this love hate relationship with with the villains in this movie. Again, it again, this movie has just some of my favorite actors of all time. Gene Hackman. It's Gene Hackman for crying out loud, <sighs> and part of me sees him, and it's weird when I watch this movie. Sometimes I see it and I think that is a great Lex Luthor. He is so evil, and then you watch it sometimes, and you go, "They just blew it. It's too funny. It's too comical. You're going for the one-liners. You're stepping on his fingers. You're, we're we gonna do it. Um, you know, it's too much. But then the very next time you watch it, you go back and think, "Oh my God, he's brilliant." It's a brilliant Lex Luthor. When you listen to the Donner cut again...
0: The thing, he's only funny when he's with his group. Yeah. There's nothing funny about him when he's talking to Superman. Nothing
1: funny at all. He's all business. He's all business in the scenes with Superman. And he's actually pretty much business uh, when he's with his little team. And it's almost like he's irritated and frustrated, but he needs the goons. He needs them there. They have a part. They have a function. And... uh,
0: He's funny in his disdain for his goons.
1: Right, right. Uh, but now, mentally get a picture of this. Gene Hackman. Remember, this was the 70s. Before they started shooting this, Gene Hackman had a full porn stash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of, he did. A big, big, bushy mustache. And uh, he was not going to shave it off. He already told him he wasn't going to wear a bald wig and he wasn't going to shave his head. Uh, they'd have to work around that. That's why they came up with the idea of having the wigs all over the place, which I
0: think <laughs> I is I like good. the wigs all over the yeah, place. I that and was it was a, a good nice way, way to work around
1: that. Yeah, I thought that was a really nice way to, to get around it because <clears throat> I remember in the theater, I remember this very clearly. I remember the first time we seen Gene Hackman, and he's got a full head of hair. I went, oh, inside. I went, ah oh, damn. And then when the camera kind of shows around and you see all the heads with the wigs on them, I went, oh, isn't that fun? okay, I like that.
0: It pays
1: off at the end. Yeah, it does. And they pay off well at the end. So, you know, I really appreciated that. So I have this love-hate relationship with Gene Hackman because he's so good, because I love so much of his work. And then seeing him almost being a clown. But then when he's with Chris Reeve in some of those scenes, you think, no, this is Lex Luthor. This is pure evil Lex Luthor. And...
0: The clownish is also, I think, born of arrogance, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. again,
1: again, exactly what I was going to say, because in the scene when he opens the box, when he tries, you know, the whole kryptonite thing. Right. That's so good. That is so good when Chris opens it and Lex starts to laugh because the plan worked. Ha! Gotcha.
0: Right. <laughs>
1: oh, I'm glad I didn't open that box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is brilliant. So, I jumped ahead again. Sorry.
0: It, it's okay. You, my, my, oh, my question was always... Why is the uh, self-proclaimed greatest criminal mind of our time of hanging our time. around with these two idiots? Of
1: our time. right?
0: <laughs> and I, I come down to two possibilities. One, he needs the muscle. Mm-hmm. And two, does hanging around with these idiots make him feel better about himself? Yes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They're easy to control.
1: They're very right. easy to control and manipulate. Um, although Miss kind of kind of lets him down a little bit, doesn't she?
0: Yes. She will eventually, but... Uh, yeah, but... uh But in this opening scene, that dress is not letting anyone down. Uh, no, it isn't. Oh no. My <laughs>
1: goodness. Oh, my goodness gracious. I I, I, so, I, I have no words for yeah. Valerie Perron. I mean, I have plenty of them, but not suitable. For not, appropriate, yeah. <laughs> not
0: appropriate. <laughs> he, he can't get them out.
1: And my wife might listen to this, but...
0: Just start yeah. with, we'll just say, wow, and we'll move on. Yeah, she, yeah it, But that, that's about all we can say without... <laughs>
1: Yeah, because you know, and and that doesn't, and I don't want to cut her, you know, short just saying that she's just eye candy. She's a really good character in this, mm-hmm. and in the and she's and a in, great
4: actress too, and she's right. a great
1: actress again. Yes, a great actress playing a comic book villainous gun mall and doing a really good job of it, and, and uh,
2: does the right thing later on. In the yes, and well, does she, the right- she keeps pace with
4: Gene
1: Hackman? Yes, she does. Yeah, even in the ambulance scenes mm-hmm. and the, uh, yeah she just she's right there with him the whole in fact all three of them that's why that's why I think it works in spite of the fact that I'm not a fan of them using comic relief the villains as comic relief it works because of three, these three actors these people are really good
0: honestly I mean, we're going to talk a little bit about this more at the end of the helicopter scene but there is so much about this movie that should not work
1: it shouldn't work mm-hmm. good but you've got great people everywhere,
0: and, and that's both in front of and behind the yeah. camera. So yeah. that's why it does. So this is where yeah. we get the um, basically the exposition about Lex's plan, real estate swindle, and the uh, the twin missiles. And this is where the famous "get out" line comes from. Mr. sparker when I was six years old, my father said to me, "Get out." <laughs> Before that, he said,
4: "Son, stocks may rise and fall; utilities and transportation systems may collapse." People are no damn good, but they will always need land, and they'll pay through the nose to get it.
0: Remember my father said,
1: land. The get out line is a good line.
0: Yeah. It is. It's a a classic. And again, it was another one of those things that Superman Returns tried to to ape.
1: And did not do well.
0: And it didn't work.
1: But it, it worked so well here, again, because of the actors, because of the timing. These people knew what they were doing, and she didn't miss a beat didn't miss a beat. It was, we don't know how well, how many times they did it. If it was edited, how blah, 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 all the nonsense and all the other stuff they had to do behind the scenes. But that scene, as we saw it on screen, you laugh out loud. You laugh out loud. Well, I do. I still do. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I I do too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So after this, we're back at uh, the Daily Planet, where it's a little unclear how much time has passed, but some has. But some has, because Clark has finished a story. Right, on uh, some kind of scandal.
1: <laughs> right.
0: What Did, did the subtitle tell us what kind of scandal that was, Aaron? No,
3: I, I, well, it probably did, but I'm running on fumes now, so.
1: Yeah. Are we assuming <laughs> this is still day one? No, I this don't think so either so because, we're, yeah, because back and forth, the Lex Luthor stuff, the cops, all that other stuff. This is uh, not Clark's, the end of Clark's first day at the office. No,
0: th- this is the end of another day down the road. Okay. It could be the next day. It could be a week later. Gotcha. We gotcha. I was thinking yeah. of the same well, week. He we started out on a Monday. This
3: is
1: a Friday. That's what I was right. thinking too. That's yeah. in okay. my head. So, yeah, okay. I even thought
3: maybe a, maybe a month or so. Because depending how deep an investigative report can be, you know, it takes time to put together a story. And The only reason I wouldn't say it would be that long...
0: the daily be- paper, Aaron, don't think that long. Is because it was of... on 12 years to write his story. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, the only reason I don't think it was that long is, is is because he wouldn't have waited a whole month as Clark Kent before Superman had to do stuff.
0: True, true, true. So we are, we're we're getting closer to that. We and, are uh, getting and, and this is, uh, I want to go back to what Dario mentioned during the alleyway scene about... Lois seeing the kind of person she thinks Clark is as Clark is trying to ask her out and she is basically blowing him off. Right. So she is paying him no mind at all. That's basically what she thinks of Clark. Right. Well, well, is what the, is the scene. did. It
1: backfired. Yeah, it backfired. But this is a really, really good scene here too, between the two of them, between Margot Kidder and, and Chris, there's some really good timing, camera movement, walking, talking, don't know how many times they had to do this one, but this is a really good scene with a trolley camera, ending with, uh, you know, the door slam and stuff, and the coat. That's that's really good. We're there there now, right?
0: Yeah, we're there now with the coat. A lot of things had to go right to get this scene to work. Okay.
1: Yeah, it had a lot no. to go right. And could you be a deer and mail this? You know, yeah, there's no <laughs> stamp on
0: it, so she's really using it. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, she wanted to get the stamp through at the post office, I guess. Right. Right. Lois does mention a sister, clearly not Lucy, though. Mm -hmm. So then we're up to the helicopter. What helicopter? Lois, uh, uh, the one that doesn't go very well. (laughs) It's
4: set up so beautifully. I mean, (laughs) it is just the the sequence that she's going to go to Air Force One, she's going to take the chopper that Clark has to, he's going out to mail her
0: letter, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or maybe he's done that already. Maybe that's what took him so long to come
1: yeah. out. Oh, the elevator well, that, too. And he couldn't the get elevator. an elevator either. Yeah. catch a break. Yeah, Chris. Chris said that uh, uh, he was doing uh, Jimmy Stewart in. Uh, uh, I forget the name of which movie, but he said uh, his Clark Kent was primarily based on Jimmy Stewart in one of the older Jimmy Stewart movies. I can see that, Bob. I can totally see that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think this scene particularly uh, really sets that whole thing up almost to the, oh, oh, gee, 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 loss. I'm, 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 oh, oh, oh. You know, you can can really see the Jimmy Stewart in this scene particularly. And I don't think of him as being as bumbling in this part of it as some of the other scenes it's just stuff that you know getting the your your jacket caught in the door as she closes it or the you know the the, all of those other things could happen to a guy who's not you know who's just so happy to be there and oh newspaper and fun and oh wait all these things certainly a lot of stuff happening around here Right. you know I can see that it was to me this was more believable uh, than some of the other bumbling scenes. I really liked this scene a lot. Oh everything about this now because now we're getting to it the music is changing
0: we're, we're gonna start gushing so. We're starting no. to
1: really develop <laughs> Lois going one way, Clark going the other way we're we're really getting to possibly one of the best scenes ever put on film. Oh, no, not possibly. I will fully put that as
3: one of the best (laughs) scenes. (laughs) I was going to say, that's pretty definitive. Yeah. Yeah, that that is. I mean, that's up there with, you know, Georgia burning and Gone with the Wind. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, And definitely, if you just want to put it in the category of superhero movies, it's the best superhero scene ever filmed. It's just everything about it is so perfect. It's...
0: Everything works. Everything. Everything. And it shouldn't. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah,
2: I was for Superman to debut. That is yeah. the way that he should.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, and I think it's interesting too because we yeah. you, you look at this scene. So Lois goes up to the helicopter. Clark comes down. Right. Uh, he's come out the door now, and he's waiting. Everything is. Well, he doesn't come out. He not come out the door until, until late. later yeah. because the helicopter's still. And there's another helicopter has crashed when that she's falling out. Right. I think when that he helicopter crash with the tail goes through the tower at the top up there mm-hmm. yeah. that should not have looked anywhere near as good as it does when you see it the way they actually filmed it it is so fake and so bad and you just think there's no way it can be believable and then you see it cut edited sound effects music you think oh my god they're gonna be killed in that thing and it's it's just done so well I think uh,
4: one of the keys to that is that it, it was allowed to progress, not yeah, uh, so, I want to say slowly, but with with a good, a post, or uh, good pace.
0: Yeah, the suspe- it definitely built the suspense as uh, we went on. Oh, yeah, I did it! Y- y- you see the cable in the bracket just kind of
1: wiggling around. And- you know it's yeah, yeah. And then when that thing snaps, oh man! Cause they, they set it up so beautifully. So think about that in advance. How they had to not only shoot all of those scenes, but then put them together in editing with the music and the tempo and the timing that kept that beat, kept that thing flowing, built the tension, and then going back to that quick scene that they had set up before, just showing the cable laying there at Mm -hmm. no big deal. Why would you show a cable? It didn't mean anything until now, you know, two minutes later when all hell is breaking loose and it just, you go, oh, so good.
4: Oh, and Christopher Reeve is the voice of—I believe it's the, the pilot. The no,
0: it's the tower. Oh, is he? That's yes. him. Yep.
1: Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that cool? <laughs>
0: yeah. Super <rich> <laughs> Yeah.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Why did he never do the rainbow thing? That would have been neat.
1: <laughs> the, mm-hmm. Traveling through time, the rainbow right. time.
3: No,
4: no, no budget for rainbows, or or mini Supermans that shoot out of his hand. Oh, uh, right yes.
1: So, spoilers I'm <laughs> oh, sorry <laughs> <laughs> on the cover it shows rainbows you had to read the story to figure out that there was little guys
0: so that was a we mentioned how well done the sequences Clark finally sees the hat fall when he comes out how he doesn't hear this crash up on the roof I don't know but
1: <laughs> well the thing is how long would it have taken him to become Superman to actually go into action as Superman if it had not been Lois in trouble right then What's he waiting for?
4: There would have been some yeah, hesitation. Yeah. and The fact that it's Lois took that away because he because, obviously yeah. cares about her.
1: Because as right. soon as he goes and saves her, then it's just like, all right, Katie, bar the door. Superman yeah. is <laughs> in town. Yeah. Well, he, he he
0: comes out, he picks up the hat, he kind of looks at it. Yeah. And, hmm. and then he kind of looks up, and then he has that kind of, uh, oh, shit moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh oh! <laughs> and, and then he starts running to find a phone booth, presumably. Did
1: everybody else just do it? I just looked up. I just did that myself.
0: I just, <laughs> did, I just did. Did you see anything on your ceiling? I
1: nothing on my ceiling. Well, I do have a little Superman up there, but I, I, uh, I just looked up, just like Chris Reeve did in that scene.
0: I just tore my shirt oh. open, so let's. <laughs> <laughs> such it's, a the, the phone. Do the, the, we get a phone booth gag? Yeah. Booth. Yes, we
4: do. And then a revolving that, door, which he clearly knows how to navigate now. Uh, yeah,
0: he does, but and yeah. And then the best. I can watch, change. <laughs> yeah. I can watch <laughs> this change all day.
4: Hey oh. Jim! And yet, and yet I love that that Superman is polite to him. He actually takes a <laughs> yeah. Excuse me.
1: Excuse me. Yes. I love that too. And yeah. for, this is the part right here. To me, this is where Chris Reeve becomes Superman and becomes the yes. iconic is Superman, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. I I love George Reeves. George Reeves will always and forever because of the time will always be my favorite Superman. Always. They're just
0: George Reeves was never given a moment. He was
1: never given this. This, I can see this at the theater, this particular scene. Oh, my God. We were standing. Everybody was standing up. I mean, what's it like seeing that shirt rip for the first time? The shirt rip was, again, I'm getting chills again. But from this point on, things are starting to happen, right? But when, the, when he then comes out and that guy does the little, woo say, Jim, that is one, you know, and that so is outfit. When he takes off and then flies up and catches Lois, that scene right there, people stood and cheered, and you think, oh, my, it was like a rock concert, right? And he hadn't even caught the helicopter yet. Just and then he catches you? it one-handed? Yes. Yeah. when yeah. he And I thought, it's not going to get, it can't, get any louder in this theater because people are cheering standing up when he caught Lois and then this whole other volume happened of a cheer it's like a rock concert when the guy comes out and you never you think it's all over and any place Yeah my favorite thing. moment is not him
0: catching Lois. No it's the I think catching the chopper yeah, it's catching which wasn't that.
1: in the original script uh, because when that happened it is it 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 turns this into the most incredible scene ever because you're just getting over the don't worry miss I've got you you've got me who's Who's got got you you? everybody's laughing at that and cheering and laughing and then you look up and the helicopter's coming down and he grabs it with one hand and smiles as he Mm -hmm. flies her back up
0: and it's so effortless mm -hmm. so
1: effortless and then the way Chris to finish this thing off flies her in one arm the helicopter in one hand back up and the way it's shot and knowing this is done in real effects no blue screen these guys are on wires and crap he's up there and then they floats down he puts the helicopter down and then this man needs help it's just so superman it is Mm -hmm.
2: and let's not forget about
4: well i certainly hope this little incident hasn't put you off flying miss statistically speaking of course it's still the safest way to travel
1: Absolutely, and she's going, uh I bet. Uh Uh Uh, 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 uh. Nah, Yeah, everything about it. That to me is Margot Kidder's best acting in every movie she's ever been in. This scene. What the head shake? She's right- a
2: good- screaming too, is great. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Oh, that's this a hell of a scream. And
1: she's falling out of the helicopter. I absolutely believed she was hanging on a seatbelt of a helicopter off the top of a building. She was screaming and scared for her life brilliant and then right up to this moment where she's just shaking her head in disbelief what is going what uh, 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 uh. wait
2: who are you
1: a friend bye And then he just <laughs> goes and flies off into the dark and you just, and she passes out, faints and falls. Right. But Cut him flying away. Absolutely brilliant. And the way he flew away again, according to Donner, that little role and him saying bye was an ad lib.
0: That was all, yeah, the,
4: all the banking was all that Chris. That was all Chris. Chris but it looks it, but looks, it looks seamless. It, it holds up today.
1: Oh my God. It looks real. It looks yeah. like that man just flew off the top of a building. It's, absolutely a brilliant scene it holds up 40 years later I mean, uh,
2: went, the poster said you're gonna believe a man can fly now as you being someone that was there uh, you know of age uh-huh. had, you'd never seen anything like that
1: before could could you safely say that that was like no i think that was hyperbole we had all kinds of fiction i believed Chris. It, i believe george it
2: was really really done To the extent that, wow. I mean, yeah,
1: yeah. there was the wow factor of Chris Reeve flying in this movie, particularly in the night scenes, and this, where here, and then the rest of the stuff with the ship and the bad guys on the side of the building and all that stuff, all of that was absolutely wow. We've never seen anything like this before. Because you hadn't. You hadn't seen Guys on the Wire. The only thing we had come close to seeing like this was Mary Martin's Peter Pan on TV in the 50s <laughs> on The wires, And you could still see The Wire. But she looked like she was moving and flying. But this movie, the it was hyperbole at first. And a lot of it is. You know, you still see nowadays, you, particularly in high def, you see the blue screen. You see some of the color problems and, and the other stuff. But in the theater, particularly in the night scenes... There was no doubt. You're you're totally involved in this movie. Superman just saved Lois Lane, caught a helicopter, put her down, smiled, and waved by as he flew off. There was no doubt in my mind. I was watching Superman right there. And I was Again. 20, and I was was, it was seventy-eight, so I was twenty-six years old. <laughs> so yeah, I was into this as much as you could possibly be into a movie in a theater with I don't even know how many other people were there. It was a packed house. And at this point, you were just cheering. You couldn't wait. When he puts it down and you sit in your seat, it was... We were standing, literally, in a movie theater. We stood and cheered like it was a rock concert. It was amazing.
0: And in my eyes, a Superman movie needs to have those moments. Yes. Absolutely. E- even some of the bad ones have those moments. You
1: have to have a cheering moment. You've got to have... The recent him.
0: Superman movies are devoid of these moments. Yes. You've got to mm-hmm. have... Leonard Justice League might have in had in one.
1: Yeah, you got to have him saving the... the plane. you got to have a moment to cheer Superman saving people. And right. uh, this helicopter scene is the best it's ever been done. It's just the best. Now, you could do it again with modern stuff, and it would you know, I'm sure they could make, you know, um, Cavill do some wonderful stuff with it, but it's still now we've seen it before. Now you've really got to, you, you got to, you know, you got to be We've jumping. seen
0: Ralph do it with the plane
1: and we saw Ralph do it with yeah. the plane. Exactly. That was a terrific scene. It's the best scene in that movie.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, uh, I love the machine gun and the bullet in the eye. Except in that scene, the cape always looked like it was too big and heavy. It, it looked like the cape was wearing him instead of him wearing the cape. But that's another thing. But no, this is this is just some of the best. I don't think any of us can say enough hyperbole about, about yeah. how really good everything we've been talking about. From the moment Clark and Lois talk to him catching the. And, put it, and then flying off. And now from this point on, it's just, you know, okay, now I'm Superman and we're going to go save and do catch okay. bad guys and stuff. You know.
0: The one thing I want to say before we go is when she asks who he is and he says, a friend. A friend. That's what Superman is. Yes. Yeah. He's not Space Jesus. He's not Moses. No. He's a friend. He's a friend and he's here to help. And
1: he's here to help. That's it. Thank yeah. you. That's it. That's it. Right there. That's Superman in a nutshell. He's a friend who's here to help. And I love that because the next day... When in the in the Daily Planet, when Lois reads the note and it just says a friend, in her mind she just got a date with Superman. Right. In his mind, it's Clark Kent playing a little game with her. The way I read it, it's Clark knowing exactly what he's doing right there. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, but anyway, just just so brilliant. I'm kind of dominating here. I gush a little bit at this particular point. Yeah. I was thinking if, if it was done today, it would all be
3: CGI and as good as it looked, we'd all know it's fake. I don't think you could. We're too jaded now. Yeah. I don't think it could have. With it, the wire work, with all the model work, it well, gives for, you the realism, it makes it real. Well,
2: and from the fact that it, that it, that it is real. It's gonna sound crazy, but I the fact that you know it's not CGI, the fact, the
1: fact that it's it, an actual it guy with, being hauled right. up there. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: And that it exactly. is real yeah. makes it makes it great. I mean, yeah. anything you watch right. now you know is not real. But you can watch right. that. You know there were some models involved, and you know that there was some props and it was there. But the fact that they pulled it off and that it wasn't CGI makes it even better, you know? Yeah. That's, and that's and the what fact, I'm trying to
3: say.
1: And we gotta give Chris so many kudos on this thing for him to be so relaxed so calm in character as superman making us believe he's superman when he's being hauled on cranes and wires a hundred feet in the air this is insane what the man was doing and he made it just seem like well just another day at the office this is this is just fun it's just and
4: like when it, richard prior came to, to- to the flying scenes of Superman three, and Chris is like, "Yeah, I got you.
1: I got it's you." Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. you know, and it's it's just Chris owned this part, and I think mm-hmm. that's why. And it didn't matter who comes after Chris Reeve, you know. And I jokingly call him Saint Christopher so many times because sometimes you know we do hear a little too much of Chris Reeve. It's just you know, it's almost like you get on Facebook or social media, you can't post anything about any other Superman without one of the first two or three comments being, oh, yeah, but Chris Reeve did it better.
0: Well. I call Chris Reeve the best and worst thing to happen to Superman sometimes. Mm-hmm. Best because he's so good. He's so good. And inhabited the role like probably no one else ever will. Yeah. And worst because he was, because he was so good. He was so good. And, so good. and, and no one will mm-hmm. let him go.
1: Right. But that I, doesn't, you know, and you can't take away from, you know, I think, I don't wanna get too much into the modern guys and Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill can be a great Superman. And but he just needs he needs he needs more moments for us to stand up and cheer him being Superman. Yeah. Yeah, And 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 I think once we get that from him, we're gonna be, you know, uh,
2: I I think it's I think it's generational.
1: I think it is too. And I mean
2: Chris Reeves was all right. I mean my son is not going to know from Chris Reeves from from anybody. He's going to it's tough to reinvent a part right. uh, if, if, you know, for from for, there's so much out there now. I mean, you can say, yeah, it, it's hard to feel Christopher Reeves shoes. But you know what? How many people are going to movies now? Would even have even are gonna know uh, well, if you're not us, you know? That's true. Majority of <laughs> the people I work with, if I mention Superman and Christopher Reeves, they're they're not gonna know from that, and that's why but, it's tough. And I think the the times have changed, and it's not only tough to fill his shoes. Of course, it is, mm-hmm. but it's it's tough to it's it, tough to fill Superman's
0: shoes, not right? Not derail mm-hmm. yeah. our. I it, think part of the problem we've had is that creators won't let him stay in the past.
1: I think they have a they're they're afraid. They're afraid to actually do what Chris did and that's go full Monty on this guy, to go right. in all the way. And I think we're we saw a little bit of it and we're going to see I think we will see him eventually. But look at every other Superman that's been on the screen. You you can say that well Dean Cain was a terrible Superman, but he was a decent Clark Kent, you know? But well, he nice. and it's because he was never comfortable wearing the suit. I mean, I mean we've
2: talked about how great Wolverine, uh, Hugh Jackman, is as Wolverine. Yeah. Will there ever be anyone that can fill those shoes?
1: Probably not. Uh, can and you that, imagine the next Wolverine? And that's why I can't
2: <laughs> imagine. I can imagine the next Wolverine in maybe 15 years if it's still popular. When yeah. when when can,
0: people have forgotten about it. Yeah. That's, yeah, but can you can you imagine right now? Can you imagine the next Tony Stark or right, Steve Rogers? No, I can't. Uh,
1: or even even Iron exactly. Man. Look at look what look what uh, uh, Robert Downing has done with Iron Man. Exactly, I, and, it, and, and I and can't and, imagine anybody else playing that part now. No,
0: same thing for Captain America.
1: Exactly. So uh, I, I think know, the, there's just so much out there now. And and, and, uh, and I think it's interesting because you mentioned that you have uh, like a nine year old son. Yeah. You know, He's, imagine being nine years old now shh. with what you <sighs> – when I was nine years old. That was 1959. No, wait, nine uh, would have been, uh, I was 52 plus nine. Okay, so that would have been 61, 1961. I was nine years old, okay? I I had George Reeves, and that was it. That was it, and the comics. I had no other live action, and the Fleischer cartoons. But the only way to see that stuff was on TV. There were no DVDs, no VCRs, no Blu-ray. You could only watch it. When some T V person somewhere said, Hey, let's put it on at five o'clock in the morning, there it is. That was it. It wasn't until we got into the late sixties or mid sixties, I guess, where you are with super friends and stuff
0: where I'm in the late seventies. Oh, you're in
1: the late seventies now. Yeah. Okay. But in the sixties, there it just wasn't there. You didn't have this stuff. And then that's why when you think people give, you know, Adam West so much crap in 1966 but imagine in 66 what we're getting now for the first time color tv of course i had black and white so but we had batman on television we had star trek i mean it was all of a sudden it was hey somebody's listening to me now somebody now granted by that point i was you know starting to become a teenager and having other things to do but you never missed it 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 took me now, how long has it been now before the geeks finally, you know, are mainstream where we can actually say, you know, I think I'll wait and watch this on Blu-ray. I don't think I have to go see this superhero movie. What? Are you kidding me? When I was a kid, if there was anything that came close to a superhero movie, you're there. Now we're picking and choosing. And now you get to choose. You get to say, you know, in fact, I have. What I have decided is for uh, most of the time, I'll go see the DC movies because I'm a DC guy. But most of the Marvel movies are going to be rentals for me. You know, I just can't go to a movie every week, you know, and we have basically got that. Now, you could go right now and watch three or four different superhero genre movies in the theater on the big screen right now.
2: I mean, what would a Christopher Reeves be able to do today? If he, I mean, my God, can you imagine uh, with the with – the, uh, it's yeah. just amazing. But that's yeah, – But I
1: still, think, I still think Henry Cavill is yeah. into it. I think he loves the character. I think he's into it. And I think if once he's given the great script – because we've seen him. I've seen Superman in Henry Cavill. I've seen him in little bits in both Batman v. Superman, little bits of him there. But in Justice League, he was there. And in Man of Steel, he was there. There were parts of well, the best of part about
2: Henry Cavill is he's not trying to be Christopher Reeves.
1: Exactly. No, he's
2: not. And that, he's, thats he's trying to be Superman. He's
1: being Superman. And Thank that's you. The curse of uh of
2: we need to get past. And if he's going to survive, we need to have good writing, and we need to, as harsh as it sounds, we need to get past Christopher Reeves because unless we're going to CGI, he's not going to come back. And right, right. But
0: you know, I'm lucky enough that that he will always be my Superman.
1: Oh, we've got the movies. We can always pop right. these suckers. We can in. always
0: pop those movies in, and they've always said, "If I want to see Christopher Reeve Superman, yeah. He's the movies been are there in. for me to pop in." Yeah. I don't. I don't need to see them remade yeah. now.
1: But yeah. I just keep going back to the thing, thinking about being a in your prime age 9, 10, 11, 12 year old boy. That that's such a great time in in uh, you know in a boy's life to be that that age, and the choices. If you're into superhero stuff now, you've got not only the big budget blockbuster movies, but practically every week a new animated DVD or something comes out.
2: Hey, I my kid has his own Star Wars franchise that he's going to grow up with i didn't think (laughs) he was going to have that exactly yeah i didn't think i was going to come around you know bad or good whatever you want to say he's got his own superhero franchises and his own star wars yeah i'm I'm living it with him now you know and
1: every generation should every single i've got grand nieces and nephews now i my little grand nephew is six right and he just is just so well seven actually now and it's so great because now he's doing this kind of stuff. And I've got pictures of him now because what did he want to be for Halloween? Superman. What What was the first character? And this was not by me doing anything. This was him. He wanted a Superman costume because he liked the cape. And then he found out all about it. And, of course, I gave him some comics and coloring books and DVDs and the Fleischer, of course. That should be the first thing every little kid gets. If you have a nine-year-old son and he's never seen them, Give him the Fleischer oh, yeah. cartoons and say, "Watch these." Okay. We're, lucky.
2: We're lucky we have Superman. I mean, he's yeah. our—he's yes. uniquely American. He's our—he's our—he's our myth. He's our story. I mean, England has uh, Tolkien and Lord, of the, uh, and you know, the Hobbits and right. the, the Rings. Superman is uniquely ours, and we should be proud of it. And you know, yeah. we have Christopher Reeves around to, to to do this, and George Reeves. You know, I'm glad of, of every yeah. incarnation.
1: Yeah, okay. they're all still there every incarnation
2: contributes its own <laughs> Let's just yeah. keep it going man
1: that's it Yeah, and I think that's the beauty is now with the media we have access to that it's not like when I was a kid where you had to wait for some other power to be kind enough to show it at some weird time it's all out there and it's all available and anytime you want you can pop in any version of Superman that's ever been on the screen and that's that's pretty cool that's pretty cool
0: there you have it. All right. Let's uh, wrap this thing up r- very quickly. Uh go
1: around the room a little bit. You're asking this group to do something quickly. Yeah. That's yeah. funny. This, yeah. <laughs> this this was fun, yeah. man. Thanks oh, yeah. for Oh, this was great. Me. I learned a lot. And we talk- Okay, go ahead. All
0: right, so uh, Aaron, where can people find you?
3: Well, you can find me on the 2 True Freaks network at tootruefreaks.com on Tangents Abound. Hopefully you get at least one little chuckle out of out of it. <laughs>
0: Well, by t- I mean, it? you never know. Tangent about might be back by the time this episode actually drops. It should be. Uh, when when do you plan October. to drop this? Oh, yeah. It'll, I'll be back up and running. <laughs> but I have to ring a lot of October. people, so that's why I'm doing it so far in advance.
3: October. Yep. I'll be up and running back by then. So come check me out.
4: Dave, <laughs> hey, where can we find you? Uh, down the dial on Two True Freaks on Listen to the Prophets, a Deep Space Nine podcast. And hopefully maybe somewhere else by now. Time <laughs> travel's weird.
1: Timing me yeah,
0: is very weird. Yeah. And uh, Bob?
1: Is this really coming out in October? That's the plan. Well, I hope I'm still alive for it. That's what <laughs> that's, I'm old. I, I do, know. too. We
0: all do, Bob. Yeah, very old. Yeah. Just watch out for beehives.
1: Uh, but, yeah, really. Uh, But you can find me over at the Superman Forever radio podcast at supermanforever.com. And the Brainiac episode, I'm sure, is out by now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What can only hope? Uh. Hopefully, uh, by the time this episode drops, that Super Baby episode that that I've been pitching. That's true.
1: That's true. Mike Zumo. Mike is going to come over to Superman Forever, and we're going to do a Super Baby episode together. This is
0: why Bob is taking so long with the Brainiac episode. He's trying to put me off on my Super Baby pitch.
1: (laughs) Don't put off the Super Baby. I'm down with that. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do a super video.
0: So, because I love talking about the kids with overwhelmed parents. Yeah, yeah. All right, and Dario, where can we find
2: well, you? You can put your stretchy pants on for two reasons and listen to the Eat It and Beat It podcast on the Two True Face <laughs> Network with uh, my uh, good friend Chris Honeywell, and uh, get yourself a little bit of both
1: worlds. Wait, I have to put pants on for that show? Well,
2: you can stretch your pants. You can eat stretch, and stretch them out, and then you can just peel them off later for the second <laughs> half.
1: <laughs> you guys do a fun job. Of, that's a fun listen.
2: It. That is we a very a, fun a great, listen. We have a great time.
1: Well, I've had a lot of fun recording with Chris and talking to Chris. <laughs> and times of stuff that we didn't air because yeah. it got a little...
0: Oh, yeah. we. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. a- actually, I believe the first time I heard about Eat It and Beat It, the concept was... Well, no, that's Dario's garage. Yeah, mm-hmm. Hopefully in a couple of weeks, you'll be back. We're going to miss you, David. I wish you'd come down.
1: Oh, you guys yeah. are if you're in town. I'll throw I wish. That would be so much fun to get up there and we have, have a, some food and picnic and barbecue with you guys. We have, oh, I miss the garage. We have a pretty good yeah. spread. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, a little and far, the little time. That's a, that's a long drive from little far. Richmond, Virginia. Yeah, well, I used
2: to live in Falls Church for a while, Virginia.
1: Oh, okay. Oh, Jerry. I comp- did it. I did it five hours <laughs> it's doable it is doable i've driven to new york several times uh, i'm a big yankees fan
4: uh, sort of. okay. well i, um, I like. I know nobody's I, perfect
1: I know, <laughs> I know i know uh, i've been catching right, grief so. for superman and the yankees as long as i can remember <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then the next time i'll be joined by andrew Leyland for part three of superman the movie month all right so i'd like to thank my uh for our guests for joining me yeah, thank thanks you for having me for having thanks
1: me. for letting me come on this was fun i it was fun recording with guys i haven't recorded with before it was, was yes it and
0: yeah.
2: aaron i'm glad to meet both of you guys yeah. Pleasure's all mine
1: you too thank dave
2: you. yes <laughs> did i hear crickets that was <laughs> <laughs> not
4: yet okay i don't know
0: what's going on my windows are off. Oh, okay. i'm ready to turn my i'm ready to turn my fans on back on yeah i'm good to so. go i gotta crash so yeah man all yeah, right so Thank you, thank you, thank you guys. Fellas, thank it you. was fun, man. It was, it was, fun. Just, and, and this was a blast. Well, until next time, folks. Okay. Until next time. Until are on the same time. team. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. The Man podcast is produced by Mike Zumo. All opinions expressed on the show are those of Mike demo and his guests and no one else. All music and sound clips used on the show are for review purposes only, and no copyright infringement is intended. All music and sound clips are copyright their or original copyright donors. The Man of Screen is a member of the Two True Freaks internet radio network and can be found at www.twotreofreaks.com. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link to twotreofreaks.com and shop there. If you do, the Two True Freaks get a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra so you can shop as usual and help out the two true freaks at the same time email to this show can be sent to man at gmail.com and you can also leave the show review on itunes that will help others find the show thank you for listening to the man of screen podcast
1: And we're back. I almost saddled my head. Boom. Oh, don't do that. Is they go it. on your
0: head, not your butt. Yes. Yeah, that would have been. Nobody wants to hear what's coming out of that end.
1: <laughs> nice, fresh York peppermint patty. Fresh out. I always seem to walk in on the worst parts of conversations without yes. context.
0: <laughs> That's like Bob's uh, podcasting food. Every time I podcast with Bob, he's eating a York peppermint patty. <clears throat> Uh-oh. Uh-oh, i Bob's
4: mean choking that. on the York peppermint patty.
1: <laughs> yeah, it went down the wrong pipe. I didn't mean to
4: kill him. <laughs> yeah, how did Bob die? York peppermint patty. Somebody <laughs> go around the world a few times. We'll fix it. Yeah.
1: He still didn't learn you can't talk and swallow at the same time. That's what she said. Brum, brum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're here all week, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, we are.